Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Welcome to the Wise Guys. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. We're back together after uh, I was remote. And I think on occasion you've been remote, but it feels like I was on the road for 10 days, which felt like 10 years. That's more, that's more than remote. Like you moved out for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just glad that I'm glad that that part's over and that we're back. The number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the world is Wise Guys. We have a lot going on tonight. Yeah. And you did the show last week from Arizona. Yeah. Traveling with the baseball team, just so people know what you're Then I moved doing. over to California. Yeah. Then, then after, after the show, you went to California. You were with them with there. With a quick stop in Vegas. Yeah. Now, now you're home. Um, we're both here to get today. Yeah. We've got lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff to talk about on the show. You and I have lots of stuff going this week. The, yeah. We've got um, the basketball game we're doing together on Wednesday, the women's game against Houston. Um, I've got pregame um, on Saturday. i got three and, and baseball game. games. we got baseball games this week. So, so yeah. lo- lots of stuff going on. Hey, make sure um, you follow us on YouTube. We'll tell you this every week. We'll put the link in the chat so that you can do that. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. We're also live on Facebook, Twitch, um, but the hub of where everything is is wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. Make sure you follow us at wiseguys and subscribe, and that way you get our, our weekly email. You and I both get it that gives you highlights and updates on what's going on. Um, you have access to all the past interviews that we have in our archive, which are just, it's amazing. The guests we've had on this show, Steve Young, Danny Ainge, Wally Joyner. Um, Marie Osmond, Jim Fredette, Kyle Van Noy, you, you name it, we've we've had them on here. Sherry Dew was on here, and I took a quote from our interview, and it's in the Deseret News That's today. Right. That's right. Because BYU's getting ready to play Kansas, and she was a big basketball star in Kansas at Ulysses High School, grew up a Jayhawks fan, and she had some fun comments about BYU, which is now her school, taking on Kansas that she grew up cheering for. And that's the big showdown tomorrow night. Steve Cleveland's going to be with us, the former head coach at BYU, to set the tone for the Jayhawks uh, and Cougars tomorrow. So that's coming up. Also, spring football is never too far away, and now it's just days away. That's right. And we've got maybe the biggest... Biggest guest we've ever had in studio coming in. I'm trying to in. think. You know what? We did have Sione Pua in here. Yeah. I don't know who weighs more. We have to ask Connor who's heavier. Do you him. think Sione's over 312? Because that's what Connor is. He might be. Okay. I know he played at that at least that in the NFL for all those seasons. We will ask him who's going to eat the most cheeseburgers oh, yeah. on that and, offensive it'll line. Be Con- and Sione's trying to trim down. So course, Connor but, Pay is going to join us. We've yeah. been looking forward to this. And he, um, he's been the... He's been the the leader of that offensive line in the last couple of years. He's the yeah. heart. He's the heart and soul. He makes all the calls, and you know what I love about Connor. He just tells it like it is. So yeah. I, we're in for a treat tonight, folks. And and for all of you from joining us from all around the world, we we appreciate you being here. You know, and he's got a. There's a quarterback battle, right? And whoever the winning quarterback is is going to be taking snaps from Connor Pay. That's and right. So he'll give us some insight. Uh, to what he's seen so far and what he expects yeah, that, uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, it, it, it's a treat to have both both Coach Cleve and and to have uh, Connor in here. What a lineup for tonight! So, um, where we got we've got people in from Ridgecrest, California. Rob, Robin, um, there's Singapore. Yeah, Eric, My, Michael Zimmerman's in the house like he usually is. Yeah, that that's Eric Waite, who's always in from Singapore and back in Singapore. I think they were on the road and still joined us from someplace. 
So yeah, yeah. The, we, the, the we, live stream's hopping tonight. We appreciate everyone joining us. Bates Ball has its home opener. The weather's actually going to be yeah. decent. And you're calling that on right? Thursday. Yeah, Gary Shady's coming out of you know mothballs again yeah. to do some. So you don't have to be the the play by play and the analyst. No, no, that's a tough job. So I didn't get to listen because I was busy working all day long. But how did that go? It was um, it was interesting, but by the third game, I kind of got the rhythm in it. Yeah, um, you know when you're when we've done so much television together, you're we're watching the game with people uh, on the radio. Uh, you know, if you're not explaining where the ball is, no one knows. Right, and so it's a whole different animal. The only thing I I realized is, you know what? In radio, there's some forgiveness. If the ball is hit into left field, and I say it's in right field. It's in right field. Yeah, there you <laughs> and, go. And that's where it's going to stay <laughs> till it gets thrown back in. But uh, it was uh, it was a long trip. But it was a, it, it was it wore me out. I wasn't feeling great toward the end. But um, it was fun to be with the guys and see that operation. I'm going back out on the road with them next week. UNLV and then West Virginia. Right, that's for a, the Big yeah, Twelve long road trip. Big Twelve uh, opener, but um, they're coming along. They've got Gonzaga in here Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Former. WCC rival. Uh, it'd be fun if they bring their basketball team in too, and then the Cougs could play. Yeah. Them oh yeah. Just for just for some fun, but uh, yeah, it uh, it's great to have a color analyst. Yeah, and, 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 and you're right, everybody. And we both you you've done a lot of radio, and I've done a lot of radio, and it's just so different than television. You have to kind of get in that flow. You really do. Yeah. Because you got to describe everything, and, and you can't get lost in the. And you, and you got to you know? be careful when we're doing television not to describe everything. Because people go, yeah, stop telling us that, Dave right. and Blaine. We, we can, can see, see it. That. So we have to get into the things that are beyond what you're seeing and take you in depth. That's that's why we love television. But but in radio, you got to paint the picture. It's a whole different challenge. So I, I man, I mean, it amazing, that, amazing that you can do that. Glenn's so. in with us from the Philippines. Uh, hey, Glenn, welcome to the Wise Guys. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting is. Um, uh, in, in radio, as you said, you got to describe everything and you can get distracted. And then all of a sudden you realize that something's going yeah, where on. Where am I? Where or, am I? Or you sit to take a sit. But in the California and UC Davis series, I was out on a table under an awning with the fans. Oh, wow. And so they could all hear me calling the game. And so they'd come sit close by and then they'd listen to me call the game while we were in the game. And, you know, if you say something stupid, they turn around and go, what, what, are, you what are you talking about? about? Yeah. And they come up and then they, they want to comment. And we're like, well, we're kind of live on the thing, so we're just going to keep going. But um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting. But Sloan Park, where we started with three games uh, in Arizona, that's the home of the Cubs. Now that... Was that that a fun was experience? heaven on earth. Yeah, yeah that's great that stuff. Cool. But Spring we're glad to be back. There. Well, we, we, should we get into some headlines? Let's there, do there, it. There's lots going on. Let's start with BYU football. Um, you know, this is the, this is the first week they've actually been doing some things, some walkthroughs and things to get ready and be in preparation. Uh, but first practice is this Thursday, February 29th. We'll ask Connor Pay a little that bit is about right it right now. That's right yeah, on that's us. Three days from now, yeah. they start practice. They have an acclimation period. Um, they go in full pads on Monday. So Monday, March 4th, full pads. That's when, to me, it really starts. Yeah. Where they can start knocking some people around and people can start winning positions. The alumni game, which you and I will be involved broadcasting for BYU TV, will be March 22nd. That's Friday night at the old Provo High School. It's going to be on BYU TV. If you can make it over to Provo High, you're going to be up close and personal because it's in the old high school stadium. If you can't, stay at home and watch it on BYU TV and we'll bring it all to you. Yeah, Max Hall, by the way, is coming up on the show in a couple of weeks. We'll get his status. Yeah, absolutely. For the alumni game. Um, the last practice 
is Friday, March 30th. Then we get into some uh, spring and summer events. Fan Fest in Dallas, April 27th. Another one in the Phoenix-Gilbert area on May 18th. Stadium of Fire is July 4th. Are you going to help MC that yes, this year? Yes, yes. Nice. That's going to be fun. And then, Wait, who's the guest this year? They haven't announced. It's going to be... Do you uh, know? Do yeah, you know? I do, but it's going to be he in knows. three weeks. Are you going to tell us? Uh, no, not on this show. Would that be a violation <laughs> of your contract? <laughs> that would be a violation of... Of all of that stuff. Okay. But anyway, it's going to be awesome as it always is. But that's July 4th. Just so everybody knows, you will tell me after the show. Big 12 Media Days <laughs> is July 9th and 10th at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Yeah. So that, that'll be that, fun. That'll be really fun. We start, that's when you really, I feel like it really starts, the momentum starts to build for football. And then fall practice um, will start the end of July. And then uh, Southern Illinois at BYU, Saturday, August 31st this year. Hey, is, you skipped a, over is, one very important date. Oh, yeah. AFR comes back to BYU TV on July 26th. That's right. Yeah, you and I were, talking, you you and I were to, talking about that last week. Once we get week. to the 4th of July, it's almost football What's season. crazy is you, you and I were going back and forth last week because we were planning what we've got going up through football season. Yeah. I was like, hey, we got to do some planning here to know when can we go out of town? When can you go out of town? How are we going to juggle this? How are we going to juggle that? So we were, just, we were just talking about when AFR returns. And it's the, the 26th. And and just so people, what are the what are our themes for those shows? We have the touchdown show, touchdown show, schedule show, and then we will go through we'll uh, three weeks of guys, position groups, and and, and individuals with so, with camp reports the start right, of each time each and so, time, and then we'll take you that in game week. We'll give you a big time scouting report for the for that first game against Southern Illinois. March you right down to. Uh, to uh, to our pregame show. Right. Hey, by the way, CJ Nance deserves a shout out. Said good evening from West Jordan. Shout out to my beautiful wife, letting me listen while heading out to dinner, celebrating 15 years of marriage. Wait, so the wise guys are part of the anniversary. Just don't listen to us while you're in dinner. I don't know if there's yeah. any coming back from to, that. You need to focus. But uh, thanks for checking in with us. I like Eric. Uh, um, Wait says. <laughs> Hey, I'd be here every week, but for some reason, people don't know not to schedule meetings during Wise Guys Hour. And and then he it. said, "You got to educate." You know, our, you know, Jack said, "You got to educate him." You, yeah. just have to, you just have to educate him. <laughs> hey, uh, here's something cool: the football program announced this uh, Sunday, March third. Um, the team's holding a devotional in Provo, completely in Spanish. With the speakers, Tyler Batty, Ben Bywater, who spoke Spanish on our show a couple That's weeks right, ago from did. his mission, um, Joseva Damuni, Pete Tui Polutui Poluto, 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 yeah, and defensive coordinator Jay Hill. Uh, it's a devotional all in Spanish here in Provo. For details on the time and location for this special night, go to byucougars.com. But how about that? I've never it's, seen them do that before. It's really cool. Yeah. So it's a local fireside. And, and obviously, all of these folks served missions in Spanish-speaking areas. Right. So they're all fluent in Spanish. And they're going to give a fireside completely in Spanish. Very, very cool. I love it. I love that uh, Coach Jay Hill's getting involved in this. Absolutely. Connor Pay, again, is going to be with us later in the show. He went to Washington, D.C. on his mission. I don't believe it was in Spanish, but we're going to ask him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when, I, when I was growing up, Washington, D.C., when that temple was done, that was my home temple district. Was it? Yeah. And think about it. I lived in New York. Yeah, that's and right. And Washington, D.C. was the closest temple. Yeah, that that's district has changed a lot. It's now, changed a lot. Well, my mom and dad were, were like, well, when we got sealed, we had to run out to a Manti because that was the closest temple. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... My parents... Times have changed. They they met back in Indiana. They had to go to Idaho Falls right. to get a temple that was open. Yep. 
for all that stuff. Yeah, the world is different. Uh, before Steve Cleveland sits in with us, let's get to some basketball notes. We'll set the table for, for him to come in. He's got all the answers, so we'll just yeah, set, yeah. set all the, the questions. Yeah. He, he's listening, so he knows he, we're going to set the table for him here. 19-8 and eight BYU, 7-7 no, seven and seven in the league. So they're, they're out of the top 25 in the AP. Yeah, for the first time in a long time. Uh, first time since late November. They're at 26, if you look at it that way. It was interesting to me that to the voters, losing on the road to Kansas State on Saturday outweighed defeating 11th-ranked Baylor at home mm-hmm. on Tuesday. The Bears got beat by BYU and Houston last week and slipped just three spots from 11 to 14. BYU fell one spot. I thought they might go up a couple spots because beating Baylor is a pretty big deal. And losing at Kansas State is not that, you know, not that devastating. Kansas lost at Kansas State. Yeah. But... Hey, they're out of the poll for the first time. They can get back in by beating the Jayhawks. Oh, yeah. uh, if they beat the Jayhawks and then they defend their home court on Saturday, they'll, they may move up three or four spots and be 2021, 20, 22 again. That's, yeah. that's just how it works in this league. And it did, it affected them in the coaches poll too, even more dramatically than it did in the AP poll. Cause in the coaches poll, they dropped from 21 to 26. Hadn't we noticed the pattern that it's like, it doesn't matter what you do in the week. Just win on a Saturday. Yeah. And you then gotta, the you AP got, you poll win on support you. Now the net ranking, which is very important for NCAA seating, um, had very little effect on them this last week. They're down one. So they're at 13. So still top your top 15. You're going to get a single digit seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, Ken Palm has him number 18. That's another metric that they look at. Joe Lenardi still has him a six seed. Um, so single-digit yeah. seed we talk about. Um, the Big 12, four games out of um, out of first in the Big 12, and three games out of last in the Big 12. So that, they're just right that's there. That's that league, right? Yeah. So it's just, just right there in the middle. Yeah. Uh, tied for seventh. The top six get double buys in the Big 12 tournament. Right. That's why in these last three games – uh, defend your home floor. Uh, maybe the last four games, right? Right. Uh, defend your home floor and try to get and to you number got, six. You've got, you've got to win the two home games because they're winnable games, first off. And the two road games are in terrible places to try to yeah. go get a win. You're going to go play at Kansas and at Iowa State. Two of the most difficult places to win in the country, period. Now, they beat Iowa State here, but now the Cyclones are, I think, number six. And they're on a roll. And they're and yeah. they may be the best team in the league. Yeah. They're yeah. certainly un- and they're bugged because the, they got the, smoked out here. The physicality they play with and the way they defend is second to none in this league. I'll tell you that. So this is no easy task. The road, but you know, at seven and seven, we talked about it. Just get to nine. And yeah, nine. we said get to nine and nine. We said that before the season even started. We've kind of stayed with that this entire season. And we felt it was a stretch to get to nine and nine, and and now is very attainable. We everyone said, and 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 everyone on the chat and everyone we talked to agreed. What if the Cougs could go nine and nine in the regular season after that good preseason? What if they could go nine and nine? And everyone to a person said, "Oh, we would be thrilled with that." That's a reality. Stare them in the face, but they've got to protect home court to be able to do that. Well, the reality too is if Dallin Hall has a tough game like he did uh, at Kansas State, one for ten from the field, um, four points, I think, all free throws, uh, or one, one maybe it was something like that. Anyway, uh, Cougars got beat by 10 on the road there. Had a much better game against Baylor, and uh, and they beat Baylor at home at the Marriott Center. And Dallin Hall is the key, as most point guards are. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on him, but hey, there's a lot of pressure on the lead singer of a band 
to hit the notes. Yeah. And whether you're, and you're typically on the road as a band. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. that's, you, you want to be the singer or the point guard. That's what you got to do. And he is so important to BYU and he's had a lot of games, the Iowa state game. He was fantastic. That's how they beat Iowa state, but uh, he struggled on Saturday. The good news is tomorrow night is a bounce back game for Dallin hall. And rarely has he come back with back to back struggles. Um, and so maybe that'll work into BYU's favor. Well, and BYU struggled to shoot the ball in that game. I mean, Dallin was one of many that they just couldn't knock down a three. And no. they had, pl- it wasn't like they had no good clean looks. Right. They had plenty of open looks. There was one series offensively where BYU got three offensive rebounds and kicked it out. Inside out threes are usually you know, kind of the best look because you're square to the bucket. You're sitting on that three-point line. And they missed all three of them wide open. And that's kind of how it went for them. And then for some reason... Um, recently BYU has struggled to defend the three when through almost 20 games, they were one of the top three point defenses in the country and, and teams have all of a sudden started to really light it up from outside. Even teams that aren't well known as three point shooting teams. And so, yeah, and BYU, BYU is who they are. Mark Pope continues to tell us, we know who we are. You know, there's going to be games where we don't shoot it, but we're going to shoot threes and we're going to try to play with pace. And that's what we're going to do. And when they shoot it the way they did the other night, they're not going to win. And that's okay. Isaac with us from Weatherford, Texas, close to Fort Worth, joining the wise guys with everybody. Our live stream's hopping. Thanks, everybody. Let's bring in uh, uh, the man of the hour while we let you know tomorrow, BYU in Kansas, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. That's on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. It's the first trip to the historic Allen Fieldhouse. Jayhawks are 21-6. and six. They're 15-0 and 0 at home, ranked number nine. One of their stars, Kevin Millard Jr., going to miss the game with an injury. He also missed Saturday when they blew out Texas. But one of these nights they're going to miss him. It might be uh, Tuesday night. And then Saturday, TCU is at BYU. The Horned Frogs are a dangerous team because they can get hot. But that one starts at 6 Mountain Time on pregame show on BYU TV and then the call at 7 Mountain on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so a couple of big ones this week. Our pleasure to welcome back our longtime friend and broadcast partner, former head coach at BYU, the one who restored order to a program that went 1-25 the year before he got here. An honor to have Steve Cleveland back on The Wise Guys. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be with both of you. Do we still have to call you coach after all these years since we're all friends? You can still call me coach. We'll call you coach. So, yes. And can we still call you Cleve? Because that's what we always Sometimes we'll call you Cleve. That's what we always Sometimes we'll say, hey, you. I don't know that anyone's called me Steve in a long time. Nobody calls you Steve. We call you <laughs> Cleve. We call you coach. Yeah. Well, we've been, and we've been on the road with Coach Cleve for a lot, many, many years and gone down and did the tournament and we worked together in television. And hey, put that microphone right under your chin. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we, we, we saw Did Dallin. you wear shoes? Oh, oh, yes. Good. Coach what? doesn't have shoes on either. Well, yeah, that's one of the house rules. Yeah, see, like people can see mine, Coach. Like, see, yeah, we, like we never wear shoes on the show. That's the kind of cash atmosphere we have. So I'm glad <laughs> to see that you're, that yeah, you're plus, relaxed. We don't want Jack's wife. Jack's wife catches us wearing oh, shoes yeah. down here. That's then, it the, for then us. the show's over. We're in trouble. Show's over. So we saw Dallin uh, Hall struggle uh, in the loss to Kansas State. And then we've also seen games where he's been brilliant. Uh, you've had a lot of point guards over your career. How important is point guard play this time of year as you're closing out the seedings of the conference tournament with the big dance? Yeah, obviously, it's very important. I mean, Dallin has a very high basketball IQ. Yeah. Okay, that, that's that, not the issue here. Um, you know, I, early on in the season, I saw him where he was dealing with some injuries. In fact, as I watched the games this weekend, I thought that maybe he was ill and uh, that he had had a respiratory problem or I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but he did not look like 
the competitive, aggressive mindset and, and, and in charge. He's just a guy that's been in charge and handled it quite well. So that is a little bit alarming going into this time of the year where you have big games in conference play. You're preparing for a tournament that you're going to play in another week or two. And then the NC2As, because yeah. you're going to be in all those tournaments. They kind of just quietly, and we've mentioned it a couple of times because we're close enough to it to know, they have had some kind of a bug go through this basketball team twice. Really? Yeah, so like literally affected almost the whole team once, and it seems like they got better for about a week, and then it went through the whole team again. And Trevanell has had illness. Uh, Ali Khalifa has had illness. Dallin has had illness. Like, and that's, that's interesting you mentioned that because one thing you can count on from Dallin Hall is just like effort at a very high, high level, and he looked gassed a little bit. And people are like, Oh, is it because the season's gotten so long and they're out on the road? I don't think so with him. You no, know? so no. You, I don't. I don't know that, but I know that they have, and and I love the fact that nobody really knows about that because they have never used that as an excuse. No, no, that, I that, mean, that, you know, Dallin has all the intangibles covered. I mean, he he does all the things on the court and off the court with his teammates that he he's created a confidence in this group. Dallin was a missionary in Fresno when I was right. a y YSA bishop. And so I spent some time with him, went out to lunch a few times with him and enjoyed his company. And I could just tell that he had that aggressive mindset, very tough-minded young man, uh, but respectful. And he's the kind of guy that I could see bringing a group together. I mean, Dave and I were talking about this early. You know, we go back a year or 18 months, and one of the biggest problems with the program was just the locker room and the, just having that chemistry and understanding roles. And all of a sudden, you know, they go on a summer trip. They do all the things you want to do. Coach Pope spent a lot of time in hiring new assistants and really has a presence there where you go, this is a great culture. This is a great chemistry. These guys like each other. I've been a few practices and I've been around them. But for the most part, I love this group of young people. Yeah. But... For Dallin, and I, 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 it's hard to speculate on this because if he is ill, you know, oftentimes coaches are pretty quiet about illnesses mm -hmm. and injuries. And we don't know that, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know. So let's say that he's healthy and his body, he's probably tired and worn out and he's going to need nutrients and do all those kinds of things. I will be shocked if he doesn't come out against Kansas and play really well. Not, listen, they're playing at Kansas. Yeah. That's not a recipe for a cakewalk. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kansas has had their own problems during the course of the yeah. year. This isn't, they've, they've and, not met Dave, Dave mentioned they just won without, without, uh, without Kevin, but like he is their leading scorer. Like this, this is a 19.5 rebound for assist guy they're missing. Yes. That's not just nobody that they're missing. And they're very deep and very talented, but they're missing a big time guy in this game tomorrow night. We, and we've seen them. Be vulnerable, Kansas, I'm speaking of, yeah. uh, where they didn't come out and compete. And I, I can remember uh, a comment that was made regarding the new league, and, and uh, it, it was one of those things where Bill Self says, man, I, you know, he thought BYU and the new schools, those were going to be automatic wins and two wins and whatever. Right. You know, and, and he said, that's not the case now. I can see that this is a completely different creature here and that it's going to be competitive night in and night out. So... I, I think for Dallin, um, you know, I, I, I spoke earlier about this today where, you know, you have mental health coaches and uh, mm -hmm. you have your, your own assistant coaches. And usually a significant role of assistant coaches in the past has been to be able to spend time. You, you got kind of a favorite coach. You got coaches that had, in, in my day when we were coaching, we had specific players that we met with. 
so that each coach had an opportunity to work with them. I suspect that's being taken care of, especially if it's some mental health issues and people are losing confidence. But he just doesn't appear to me to be a guy that is going to get depressed about things. I think he's a fighter, and, and he's going to fight through this. I am sure, whether it's a coaching staff or it's people from outside that are going to help him, buoy him up, and, and let him know that this isn't all on his shoulders. Right. He's, you know, they've been together for two years almost now. Yeah. And I, I just love the young man. And I, I, I believe in him. Uh, but his misses lately have been significantly awry. Okay. I mean, there were times and nights where he just drilled two or three in a row. Mm-hmm. But he, he's got to get that back. That, that's, we, and what athlete doesn't go through slumps? Whatever right. your sport is. Right. And I'm hoping that, and I'm sure they are, the coaching staff spending time watching film. That was the number one thing for me was, look, when I had guys that were really struggling, me as a head coach, I'd go in, we'd go have lunch, we'd go in and watch film for an hour. And I'm telling you what, it made all the difference in do, the world. Do you spend more time on... Um, hey, let's watch some stuff where you had success and let's remember that. Or do you spend some time going, uh, more time going, let's let's look at where you struggled and hey, here's a couple of things about when you were struggling that were different than you Which do you spend more time on or what's the balance I on think, that? I think you have to find a balance, to be honest with you. Uh, let's go back to when we were in a groove and the shot looked good. And you can look at the technical part of a shot. Mm-hmm. We've got video, you can play it forward, you can play yeah, it back. Frame by frame. Frame by frame. Yeah, your release went to this instead yeah. of this. Like, you know, exactly. what, what happened? And, you know, were your legs involved? You know, mm-hmm. were, was it a, a, you weren't ready to shoot, but you did? You know, those kinds of things. So th- there's a lot of things that you'll look at on film to do that, but I, I think that's really important. But I also think when it comes from a head coach or an associate head coach and there's empathy there and there is letting them know that we have faith in, in who you are as a person and as a player and that you're the captain of this team, one of the captains as a point guard. You may not have that official calling, but when yeah. you're the point guard, you're one of the captains. You're running the show out yeah, there. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that he'll have a breakout. It may not be against Kansas now. I, I, who knows? But I, I cannot see this continuing. Yeah, him, he's going to turn it and get yeah. going again. Yeah. But who else? Like, we're all really impressed with Dallin Hall in his second year, and and just look at him as a with an unbelievably bright future as one of the top point guards in this league. Who else has impressed you on this squad? Where you've just maybe even pleasantly surprised about a player? That's a good question. Um, I, I think. Well, let, let me let me share a dynamic between Khalifa and Boos. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I. I've really appreciated the maturity of both of them. Mm. And I, I've never spoken to Khalifa. I mean, I, I was in a couple of team deals and we shook hands, but I don't yeah. really know him. I know Foose a little bit better. But what, I, what has really impressed me as those two have worked together, and when I talk about chemistry, I, I saw Foose the other night on the bench, you know, and he was supportive and doing things, and he wasn't playing much. And it was just one of those nights where he wasn't going to be. Khalifa hit three or four threes, and... I, I loved the, the chemistry between the players that I've seen. I think it's important to get through difficult times and to go through these things. That's one of the things, the maturity of these guys. I, I also like the connection between the team. Uh, they're, they're, so, they're so honest and supportive. I've watched practices, and they're, they're just there for each other. And I think that instills confidence. It instills, and so if somebody's down, they go and pick them up. You know, and, 
you just got to do that. But I'm, the idea that this is going to go away instantly, there's no, that may not be the path here. And it may be after somebody else. I mean, maybe Jackson has to play a little more point guard. Mm-hmm. Maybe Spencer has to play. Uh, Trey Stewart's gotten a few minutes lately. And, you know, and I, I actually like the energy he brings. Uh, he yeah, Tra- Trey's def- come out yeah. and really defended. Yeah, yeah. And my, my unsung here, I'm interested in your take because I'm, I'm wondering where his career goes. Richie Saunders, to me, is a guy we don't talk enough about. What, what, what are, what are oh, your thoughts I, on Richie Saunders? I love Richie Saunders. So you can't be a lover of this game and not love his mm. effort and his competitiveness and his ability in the moment to make big shots or make get a rebound. And You have to have guys like that. Those are the guys that help you win championships. And, and he comes under the radar a little bit, too. Yeah, he's and, fearless, and, 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 but nobody really but, talks about him. But, 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 and it's one of those things where he's probably not on the top five or six. You know, we got to worry about this guy. This guy does this. And then there's Richie. But he always seems to have, when he plays, 20 or 22 minutes, eight or 10 points, six rebounds, dives on the floor for loose balls, all of the things that you would want in a player like that. So, no, no, I, I'm glad you brought Richie up because he's just fun to watch. And he's just so competitive. And I, I, I love him and Dallin. They're, they're yeah. two competitive brothers that will get after it. And, but I do also do know that when you lose your confidence, you lose a little bit of the energy that comes with it as well. And so hopefully they're working through that and he'll come out. And like I said, it, it may not be tonight, but he will come back. Former BYU head basketball coach Steve Cleveland's on the Wise Guys tonight, won 138 games during his eight years at BYU between 1997 and 2005 and 92 more wins as head coach at Fresno State. So we, we've asked you this question a bunch of times because we used to interview you before the games. The keys to the game tomorrow for BYU to beat Kansas, what do you got? When you're on the road, don't allow second chance points. You know, when you, you, you get a stop, get a stop. And you can't allow them to get second chance points. And, I, and it appears that maybe one of their better players is not going to be playing. Uh, but that, that was something that would be really important to me. Number two is that be patient. Because usually games like this, big games, home team, lots of noise, just kind of be still. Be patient. And, and I think patience will help you because there are times, uh, I was talking earlier today on the radio about our trip to to New Mexico and to UTEP our first year, which mm-hmm. we don't probably don't have time. Uh, when you rolled out the black uniforms yeah. for the first time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, but, I, but I can remember that, that the heart of that team and, and those young men and the miracle of driving a, 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 tr- a bus to Vegas and flying in and getting to two in the morning and, and all those things. And, I, you know, it was funny because in that setting, kind of, and it's so different here where you got an established ranked team and you got a first year but really, the principles are the same. And, and I just said, yeah, you got to believe this. I believe it. We've played better. Well, I mean, I think somebody told me the other day in that, that realm, we'd lost like 10 out of 11 games going into that. Yeah. You know, so we're giving, you know, I, and I'm kind of like, do I really mean this? You know, do I, do I want to go out and promise them that they play hard, they can win? No, I'm not going to do that. But I really feel good about the, the next step. And then it happens. It yeah. happens. And, you know, and so... You don't know what can happen, but I would just say be patient, run your stuff. I think a big key is how this, how the Khalifa, Foose, Traore, how they, how they play together. What, what's going to happen here when 
the other night when Khalifa had a hard time. Yeah, he struggled. I mean, he really struggled. And Foose had a chance to go in there. To, to me, and I'm hoping that this is happening, but with assistant coaches or mental health coaches, but those are two guys that seem pretty squared away. I watch them on the bench when I'm sitting there looking at the bench, yeah. and it's one of those things that I, I feel like it's going to be really important to go in there and win. They're both going to have to play well. And if Khalifa is making threes, then they're a different team to guard. There's space. There's you've, got to, you've, got to get, you've got to get out on them with yeah. your five, and that and, and, destroys and, your rotation. And, right? and it opens the floor. Right. And so the guys can go and, 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 and penetrate and kick and have open shots. So I, I think those three things are, would be on my mind right now for that game. Uh, but Khalifa, both, both he and Foose have a big responsibility in this game because they do have some size. Now, I'm not sure about the guy that's out. But I remember watching Kansas a couple of times. They got a guy seven two. They got the seven two guy yeah. from Michigan. So they have he's in. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's in. in. Pe- but, people have asked me this week, Coach. They're, they're they said, "Hey, um, can BYU go in and beat these guys?" And and I said, "Well, I, I have to ask you what you're asking me. Like, do I think they're going to go in and beat Kansas? Said, no, I don't. Yeah. Would I be like flabbergasted if they did? No, I wouldn't be flabbergasted if they did. That's very much like, that's this league and that's BYU. The way they shoot the ball at times, they have a chance to beat anybody on a given night. No question. And so, do I expect them to beat Kansas tomorrow? No. If they beat them and they shoot 45% from three and 52% from the field, will that blow my mind? No, it won't blow my mind. I would go, yeah, that's what they do when they shoot well. Is that crazy for me to think like that? No, I think it's realistic. It's real. And I've watched this team be down, come back, seen them lose leads, look really dicey, and win it at the end. So, no, they have the tools. The, the, the skill set of this team is really good. And when you have the shooting that they have, anything can happen. So they can, you can be down by 12 or 13, come back, knock a few down. It's harder on the road. When you're at home and you're down 12 or 13, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay? <laughs> the crowd can help you turn that thing around. But on the road, it takes a mature, and I'm going to say very patient team, to just stay with what you know is right, and you'll have a chance at the end to win. Steve Cleveland's with us on The Wise Guys, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. According to the Big 12 today, if the conference tournament started after Wise Guys wraps up tonight, BYU would start as the second seed, or a second day as the eighth seed. Against Texas, the nine seed, a team they beat in Provo. How do you feel about that matchup? I think Texas is playing better. Yeah, they are right okay. now, aren't they? Their, their guards are good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Coach, uh, I won't get into this, but I, I've known that staff and I've known those coaches from my days at Fresno yeah, State. Yeah, he, uh, he was at Fresno. He was at Fresno. We, Fresno we, we actually had a pretty good relationship, and I, I spent a lot of time kind of telling him about all the challenges he was about to face. But he's done a nice job there. And, and the way, you know, a head coach gets fired, he takes over as the interim and becomes a head coach. I couldn't be happier for him. That's going to be a really tough test. I, I think that Texas is better. Not that BYU can't beat them. Of course they can beat them. But, again, these are all, now all of a sudden it's neutral site games. Now, mind you, BYU did play a couple of those preseason. Yeah. Did well. Yeah, North Carolina State was a big yeah, win. That was a big win. So it's not like they're not accustomed to that. But it's not going to be as, it's not going to be worse than playing at their gym at Texas's place. Right. Okay. Yeah. This is way better than that. And yeah. I, I just don't think those kinds of things are going to bother this BYU team, which I feel mentally and emotionally is really mature. You know, you heard us. You were here when we were talking about the fact that we all had said if they're nine and nine, and uh, um, in the league, um, when it's all said and done, we 
we think that's great. Great for the first year of the Big Twelve, right? So if they if they do finish out here two and two these last four games and they end up nine and nine, well, let's take it a step further. What kind of a seed do you think they get in the NCAA tournament if they can? So let's say they lose both away games and they they win both home games. They finish nine and nine in regular. And let's say they get one win in the in the tournament. Um, how, how high could they be seeded? I, I think everything I've seen is around being a six or a seven seed. Okay. And, and I, I don't know if it matters how you lose in a conference tournament or not. Right. You know, I don't think how you play. I mean, they have such a body of work that the committee can look at, and they have really good wins, and they, they've won away from the building, their building. And the, like you said, those two games in Vegas will be something that those are, we're going to check that box, mm-hmm. we're going to check that box, that they, they took care of business there. And they survived a team that was picked 13th in the conference preseason has just gone nine and nine and finished seventh or eighth place and three and, three wins against ranked teams right now, yeah, right? Yes, and, yeah. and and maybe some more, right? You know, and but I think they probably do. Real, I mean, if we're asking ourselves, we're going to have. Who do you think? I think it's probably going to be a two and two deal. Now, would I like it to be three and one or four? No, sure. yes, yeah. probably not going to happen. If you think about it, uh, they beat Iowa State. They're number six. Yes, they beat San Diego State. They're back up to number seventeen, yep. I think, and they beat Baylor, who's number fourteen. They had Houston with a wide open three to steal that game late. Yeah, right. And Houston's the new number one team. Yeah. No, that, that, I think the committee sees this. I, I don't think there's going to be, no matter what happens, I think they're going to be in that, hey, if they go three and one and win a couple games, maybe they're a four or five seed. Right. You know? But I, I think realistically, that's I see them around six. And I don't even think it matters what happens. Uh, I mean, if they go two and two, win a game, I don't think that changes anything. And they still are around a six. Yeah. six. Yeah. And a six so, gets an eleven seed. Exactly. Right. And they and they can they can win a game in advance. Oh, come on. And They're, did any of us think that was going to happen this version of the Big Twelve? I didn't. No, no, I didn't either. I didn't either. In fact, uh, what we watched has been pretty special. And I and I think that the fun part of the tournament is that you know you've played so many meaningful games and had to perform in moments where it was big time needed and. They're gonna, I don't think the NC Twenty tournament really, other than the hoopla and everything else, it's not going to be nearly as tough as playing in, play this in league. the league. <laughs> There's no way. I just don't think there is. You know, unless you get a really hot, you know, eleven or ten seed right. going. Oh man, yeah. I didn't really want to play them. Yeah. What? Um, you took your the Cougars to the NCAA tournament. This team is young, with a lot of guys coming back next year. Um, just the ramifications. What does it mean to a program? To, to qualify in the NCAA tournament. We're talking about a five or a six seed, which is fantastic. But just being in, what does that mean to a, to a coach who's building for the future since you've done it? You know, it was really special. I, I, I don't, unless you live through it and go through it and had to overcome a lot of the things that we had to overcome from recruiting challenges to getting an in-state player to, you know, performing. And I think that, that year with McKelly and that group, that fourth year where, you know, we go to the, we win the Mountain West Conference, we win the Mountain West Conference tournament, which hasn't happened since. No, it hasn't. Hopefully, right. hopefully I don't know it's going to be any easier in the Big 12. <laughs> but, but that being said, uh, you know, there's some things I look back at that. I was so proud of where we were in that moment and winning that championship and then getting to the tournament. And, you know, I'll, I'll be the first, and Dave's sitting here with me right now, he'd say the same thing. It's like, it was so new to us, 
And it was it was one of those things. Where it wasn't like we didn't prepare and watch a ton of film. What we probably needed to do to get these kids to relax and just breathe and enjoy this moment, you know. And it was a competitive game against Cincinnati yeah. early. And then, then, then they, they kind of went away from us. And then the other two times we were in the tournament, it came down to last possessions, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that was disheartening, but it was still, there was so much, so much joy in climbing a mountain and being there for a moment. And, and you just build on that. And, and I think that's what this program has done. You know, and there hasn't been, there's been a few hills and valleys uh, for all the coaches that have been there. But I, I, I think that it's a special thing to get to go to the tournament, man. And, and, and you can't take it for granted. There's, I don't know, what is it, 375 or 80 teams in Division One basketball? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think the number's perfect. And I, I just believe that it, when you get there, you expect more of yourself the next time. You know, yeah, everyone and, wants that one shining moment. Yeah, they do. They really do. That's cool. Steve Cleveland's with us. So we're glad you're back in Utah. Tell us what you're up to. Yeah. So we, <laughs> June, June of uh, this year, we came back to Fresno. I had a son, Skyler, who lives in Provo. Yeah. And then my son, Casey, was in, in Clovis with my daughter. My daughter's husband got a job at Reevely Engineering up in Salt Lake. And uh, he'd been in that business. And as soon as my daughter told my wife that they were moving. My wife turned to me and says, we're selling the Going house. Going back to Utah. <laughs> that fast. <laughs> and Casey case wasn't far behind. So it's been great to have them here. And I, I probably averaged five to six AAU or from, from the eight-year-olds to the high school kids. We're a lot of games to watch. That's been fun. I've actually been involved uh, in a project that I'm really excited about. Uh, it kind of involves a book, but it involves... PowerPoint presentations that I can do. And we haven't started. It's going to start in March, but Sunday evening type firesides yeah. that uh, kind of a metaphor for sport, metaphor for our spiritual development. Um, I've not been this excited in a while. And it's just been fun to develop. But I've got a really good partner that's way smarter than I am, and he's great with images. So we're going to kick it off here, and I'll be doing that probably. Have you guys, have you guys got a name yet for the program? Uh, and can you announce it? No. Like Dave can't tell us who's on and, and are you Stadium gonna Fire, have, and you can't tell us the name of this. this we got I dates. Will. We can, or is it? There's going to be a concert shirt of all your dates. You're doing this or what? Yeah, no, probably not. But <laughs> you know, I spent so much time with young people in my life. Yeah. You know, from an ecclesiastical side, with as a mission president and as a bishop of a YSA ward, and I just have a love for those kids. And I know because I went through had the same issues they've had, and so it's. It's something that I, I, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but I, I need to give back here. I have been very blessed and to be given opportunities in my life. And I feel like our message to these young people is going to be obviously faith-based, but it's going to involve a lot of sport. And I got the, the guy that's got the coolest images I've ever seen to kind of help me with this thing. And he, he'll lead me and guide me around. But, and, then, and then eventually... There's going to be a book. It might be a book for my family and yeah. friends. It might be something that gets some traction and youth want to, are interested in it, but we'll see. Well, when the book comes, then you come back on and we're going to preview yeah. the book. And when right, you get some dates ready to announce, yeah, uh, I will. So we'll pass I will. them on to everybody. Hey, wait, I, 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 do you still keep in contact with Paul George much? Do you talk yes. to Paul a lot? Yeah, my, Paul, I went to both the games in Utah and uh, had a chance to talk to him a little bit. And, and Paul played for you at Fresno State. Yeah, right. like what, what people right. don't, like Paul... Um, and, I, and I told you this, I think back when it happened, but this was during the pandemic and 
uh, he and Kawhi were in town to play the Jazz, and I ran into and Kawhi I've known for a long time because we covered him when he was at San Diego right. State, right? right? So. We all had masks on, and the two of them were walking together out of a meeting. And I go, quiet. And he looks at me like, and I pull my mask, and I go, it's Blaine. And he's like, oh, what's going on? And he comes over, and Paul's just standing over there. Right. And I turned to Paul, and I said, um, you and I have a very dear common friend, Steve Cleveland. He came, like, right over and gave me a hug. And, and then he just went, Steve Cleveland is one of my favorite people in the world. I love Steve Cleveland. It was, like, so fun to, to – so immediately he and I had this connection because – because he owes so much to Coach Cleveland and, and just raved about how you gave him direction, set him on the right path, and how much he appreciated you. That's a, it was so cool he, for me. He is a great young man. I remember when their family came in to tell me he was leaving early. And it was nothing but tears there, you know, with his parents. And they, they were apologizing to me because we were like one year away from turning this thing, you know. <laughs> but but it, I just think of who he is and who he's become uh, it makes me proud to say I had an opportunity. I, I will say this in, on our presentation. There's lots of images. And two really unique images, as this guy found, was one, Paul and Kawhi, Paul, Kawhi guarding Paul in a game at Fresno State. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. A, that was a cool image. And then we have a few with Paul Duncan. And we have the dunk on at St. Mary's. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we had that one at midnight. And uh, But I also have one, and I, I told Tyler about this, because Tyler is coaching AAU group, Tyler Haas, I'm right. speaking about. And I said, listen, I got a fun photo for you. And I said, it's Paul George dunking on you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I said, and I said here's the all-time leading scorer and amazing guy. I love Tyler Haas. But we got to laugh about it. I said, I'll get you a copy. That's so fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Steve. And, and he's had that, Coach has had that influence on a lot of people. I just thought people will know who Paul is because he's been an all-star sure. and one of, the, one of the best players in, in the NBA. But... Um, he, he loves you, man. It was awesome. Right, it was awesome. Before uh, Steve Cleveland uh, announces his best five-point guards of all time, you I worked that it. list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since we started talking about point guards coming in. Uh, before we do that, let me say, and, and Connor Pay is going to join us in just a few. We'll talk football. Um, so I'm at the uh, BYU-UC Davis baseball series over the weekend. Okay. And there's this old codger uh, that always showed up to watch UC Davis go through batting practice, and I'm killing time. He says codger affectionately. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so then I go over, and we start talking, and turns out he'd coached at UC Davis, but he played football back in the 50s for Fresno State. Wow. And uh, when he said Fresno State, I said, well, my one of my friends is Steve Cleveland. He was the basketball coach at Fresno State. And he, and he kind of, yeah. And I go, he came in to clean up after Jerry Tarkanian, and he just started laughing. He just goes... <laughs> Jerry Tarkadia. <laughs> then he started telling stories, which are so crazy they had to be true. Uh, but the world just got really, really small. Um, and in that exchange, uh, uh, the connection was, uh, it, he was football, but there's basketball. And then, and then there's you and Fresno State, which goes on and on and on. But uh, you had a key role in getting those guys squared away. You got BYU squared away, and you got them squared away. We did. That was, that was the hardest thing I've ever been involved in in my life. Uh, and it was, it, things didn't play out the way I thought. Yeah. Not, not just Paul leaving, but we, you know, I remember going to San Antonio to the NC2A. We, we met with the NC2, president of the NC2A to we were gonna see if we were going to get the death penalty at Fresno State yeah. right. for all the infractions. And I remember being there, and I remember the president of the NCAA saying, Coach Cleveland, you'll, you'll be the one and only person. I'm sitting next to my president and my AD. Yeah, says, yeah. you got 20 minutes to tell me why this 
how you can change that culture, you know. And so I shared it. And, he, you know, basically he said in six weeks we'll let you know whether you have the death penalty or what other uh. infractions are. So, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I felt bad because I hear I'm just brand new there. Right. They're not talking to the president or the AD. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Yeah. And I should have I probably done more due diligence on that. But hey, anyway, who, knew? Who, knew? who knew? Who knew? Whatever you said worked. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we, we get six years of probation. We get, the, the thing that killed us was could only recruit freshmen. Now, oh, do you yeah, know yeah. a Fresno State team in the last 100 years that doesn't have, have Jukos and yeah, I mean, no. in, in a, even in an era today, it wouldn't be a big deal because NIL's there. It's making it happen. And, and when you were at Fresno City College, you provided some of those great transfers that went to Fresno State. Well, in fact, we got one, we're going to talk about point guards in a minute. But, but I mean, Ray for Alston, right. yes. uh, you know, I coached him for a year. He had been a Ventura the year before. He played for Jerry at Fresno State in 14 years, about 12 years in the NBA. And, I, you know, just because I'm – I'm going to talk a little bit about him, but I just thought there's a there's a kid that grew so much, and uh, and so that's what you do look at. I mean, I, I had so many great experiences at Fresno, but it was really really hard. Yeah, you know, and and, and looking back, you know, I mean, and the hardest thing was the guys I had recruited, you know, the Jonathan Tavinari's, the Lee Kamards, the uh, you know Trent Playstead and Kena, yeah, all those guys, you know, and. I have my moments at night where I just kind of go, wow, that hurts, you know. But I've, I've made able to make contact with those guys and be a part of their lives. And uh, and then, you know, I, I love Dave. And, and I... Yeah. He, and he kept said, it going. Oh, no. Yep, he, you, you, you set it back on its feet when it was laying yeah. flat down on its face. It was so exciting to be with him at that Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we, we had all sorts of coaches and former players. and, and uh, Saw Dave Rice get up there. Yeah, and he, it was good. yeah, it was just so much fun to be there and to see his success. And listen, we pull for each other. You know, yeah. Dave, we know it's very well documented. He's had some health issues. And, yeah. Uh, I just love the man. I love how he helped me. And uh, I love what Mark's doing right now. I think they found a good place and they'll grow and get better and, what a great opportunity to be in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. All right. Five best point guards of all time from the great Steve Cleveland. Here we go. Are you going to go five, you go five you to, to go one? Five? Yeah, let's go five to one. I want to so, have the big reveal. Let me, um, this is the NBA, guys. Could be. I'll give you my side light here. So number five is Oscar Robertson. We're writing these the down. The big O. Oh, I'm writing them down. Yeah. So 14 years in the league, 12-time NBA All-Star, 11-time, you know, played for Cincinnati, played for the Bucks. Averaged 25, 7, and 9. He did not win any championships, but he did want something that will never be done. He averaged a triple-double the entire 1961-62 season. That is wow. crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. And uh, the one thing, the reason he's at 5 and probably could be a little bit higher is that when he played, the, the, the league itself wasn't very good. Offensively, yeah. defensively, uh, it, it just wasn't. So I, I didn't want to put him up where I have these other guys. Yeah, okay. okay. So 5 is Oscar Robertson, the big O. Number four, Isaiah Thomas. Ah. 13 years in the league, 12-time All-Star, 5-time All-NBA, 19-3-9. and nine. Huge heart, fierce competitor, got the famous bad boys. He won two NBA titles. And for me, to be that, – that's a key issue. If they don't fill a lot of the other voids and won two titles and you're the point guard, yeah. then uh, that, that's where they're at. Now and this, it started with him in Indiana. He was outstanding. Yes, in yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, all these – I know you, we talked about college point guards. Guess what? All the guys that were really good in college are the same guys. Yeah, that they're really good. Imagine, <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. All right, so number three. Th this one you might surprise you, but I was 
Before I became a Laker fan, living in Los DJ, Angeles. DJ, do you need to adjust Steve's mic? Here, okay, just, here we go. I'm sorry, I'm walking around here, here like I'm at home. He's, he's, a long, he's long-legged. He's Very a long-legged basketball guy. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> so, I love this guy watching him play. Walt Frazier. Oh, I, guess why? I just I just saw Clyde. Um, Did you? I was in I was in Madison Square Garden in the Knicks game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and he was there, and yeah. we were right close. And was that dude dressed? Oh yeah, he yeah. had like ostrich shoes on and this outfit. I'm like, that's Clyde <laughs> right there. So yes, I love so that one. He played for the Knicks '67 to '77. Then I guess he played for three or four years with the Cavs. I didn't know that, but again, seven time NBA All Star, six time All NBA, defense All Defensive Team, seven times, two titles. Yeah. Two titles. The best defending point guard ever at that position. That dude oh, was wow. a stud. He averaged 18 and almost 19, 6 and 6. Uh, NBA Hall of Fame, obviously, as to Isaiah and Oscar are as well. But I love watching him. Yeah. You know, and, and when I'm, you're living in California and you're watching the Knicks, Knicks games. Yeah, because it's really, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's late sometimes. But yeah, uh, I love Walt. Number two, John Stockton. John Stockton ah, at number two. So I put him at two because I felt like to be number one, you got to win some titles. And so 13 years in the league, 10-time All-Star, 11-time All-NBA, 5-time. He averaged 13, 3, and 10. He was an elite passer, high, high, high basketball IQ, smart shooter. And, and there's a difference between a good shooter and a smart shooter, taking shots at the right time. And I don't think people realize how tough a competitor he was. And I think he kind of took on Coach Sloan's toughness in his mentality mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and made him an all-star. I, I, I was at those, I was at a couple of those jazz games when we had first gotten hired and saw some of those games, just heartbreaking. But the thing that, that, that the guy that's number one is going to be number one. See, I've already, yeah. written, I've already written my yeah, number one. Yeah, I know one. who number one is, but go but ahead. I haven't seen your list. Yeah, number one, Magic Johnson. Yeah. Yes. It has to be, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Michigan State, 1979 NC2A champions. He was a tournament MVP. He was the number one pick of the Lakers in 79. Uh, he was 13 years, and we all, you know, it's pretty well documented. He had health issues and could have probably played longer. 12-time uh, All-Star, 10-time All-NBA, three-time NBA Finals MVP. Only other two people to do that were who? And, and, and one time you played center. Yes. Oh, no. Remember to that? Win, to win a play. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I watched all those games. Yeah. But who, who are the other two people that have three? M Michael, Magic, and? LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. All-MVPs all of, the, of the, the tournament. So here's the thing also. He won five NBA championships. Nine appearances in the finals. Wow. In the toughest era of the NBA. Because that's the when the 90s. Celtics were great. Yeah. The yeah. Sixers were great. Yeah. The, it was, you, you the had, Knicks it, were even it, decent. The Pistons yes. were good even during that. Yeah. yeah, they were. And so he went 19 and 7 career stats. The ability, you just mentioned it, to play all five. They don't win that NBA title unless he plays he the five. Play, he plays five in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously inducted into the NBA Hall of oh, Fame he's, in 2002. You, you, you love this. That's so a good I, list. I was sitting backstage with Pat Riley one time waiting for him to do a talk. Yeah. And I just said, who's the greatest player of all time? And he, it was interesting. He was like, well, it's just like, it depends on what the criteria is. You know, he just didn't want yeah. to. Um, he goes, I think everybody would probably agree with me. And, and this was a few years ago, but that Michael's probably the greatest player. He goes, now, if you're going to ask me who I'm going to draft first, if I could do an all-time draft, I might take Magic. And he goes, because I can't think of a player... That you that makes every one of his teammates better more than Magic Johnson. Absolutely. 
And so he's like, so I, is it who I'm drafting first or who's the greatest player? Or like, cause that gets, cause it gets really iffy when I do that, which and I thought was really an interesting comment. And he, and he could play so many positions and deliver the ball in different ways. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would do the same thing. I, he would be my first pick. Yeah, you'd pick him for because you could build yeah, around him. Because you right? can build a team with him. Not that you can't, Michael could carry a team himself. Sure. But somebody had to pass him the ball. Somebody yeah. had to do those kinds of things that he couldn't do for himself. That's, yeah. a, that's an impressive list. The great Steve that's Cleveland. Awesome. Thank you for being on our show. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Fantastic oh, stuff. Cleveland, so good to see you. See, good to see you guys. Getting ready for the Kansas game tomorrow and the rest of the season. And, and uh, we, we expect to have you back many times now that you're back being a Utah resident. And when the book, when, when the book tour starts, actually when the, when the, when the tour starts, we want you to come back on and tell us more detail about it. Yeah, I will. And, I will. And about the book. I, I'll be a little nervous for a while, but It'll it's something fun. that I, that I want to do. I think it's something that's needed at that age group. And Listen, hopefully I can share some. When the bright light. lights come on, you that's your that's your thing. Yeah. Hey, if Dave will tell us who um, is going to play at Stadium Fire, will you, then you tell us the name of the book. <laughs> no. I'll tell you both that. Uh, okay. Uh, after. Okay. But, but, but at the end of the day, um, <laughs> I'm going to need to know that you're going to text me tonight. I mean, I'll, I'll do one of right the three of us has been sworn to secrecy, and it's not either of you guys. <laughs> no, that's not. one thing I know. <laughs> um, I'll think of a secret to tell both. Hey, of you will guys. you introduce yourself to Connor Pay over there when you head over? That's the starting center of the football team. Yes. Steve Cleveland, former Cougar coach, Fresno coach, and a BYU TV broadcaster, and one of our longtime friends. Thanks yeah, for being thanks here, guys. Thanks, thanks coach. So Great to see you, brother. See ya. Next week, Noah Hartsock's going to join us mm -hmm. from Vegas, where he's been coaching high school. David Nixon will be with us. We talk uh, spring football. Uh, later in March, Max Hall, TJ Haas, Greg Rubel, and Mark Durant will join us before the NCAA tournament. And uh, the shows are just getting, things are just getting good. Yeah, it's fun, fun stuff. Um, and and I, it was great that Coach mentioned uh, um, his assistant, Dave Rose, who mm -hmm. then went on to, to win so many big games at BYU. But Dave... What, we're going to have him on the end of March, right? Dave and Garrett, his son Garrett, are coming in. They, too, are, are doing a, they're a traveling speaking duo right, right. With, a, with a story to tell. So it's great that these two uh, coaches uh, are, are doing that. Um, we were going to have Dave on a couple of weeks ago, but decided to give him some more time. He had some, some surgery, and, uh, and we want him feeling good when yep. he comes in. Yep. So that's uh, later that, in March. That fraternity is a, is a, when I say the fraternity of guys that have been the head coach at BYU is a very close-knit group of amazing men isn't it yeah, yeah head coach at BYU hey our next guest is the starting center of the BYU football team at six foot five and 312 pounds he's the largest guest we've ever had here on this show we I, think I told him I don't know but we're going to get to the bottom of it I told, I, I told him uh, Sione came on and I'm not sure if, if Sione outweighs you he, there's a reason he's so big and tough because he's anchoring that offensive line as BYU gets ready for its second season in the Big 12, the spring practice starting on Thursday. It's a pleasure to welcome Connor Pay to the Wise Guys. We've been talking about this for a while, and it's <laughs> happened tonight. Good to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. When I left the house, um, Gavin, Coach Fowler, yeah. was at the house, and he goes, who's on the show tonight? And I told him Coach Cleveland. He's like, oh, I love Coach Cleveland. I said, and Connor's coming. And he goes, you got to give him a hug. I don't tell, you can't say this on the air, but I think Connor might be my favorite player. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just keep that between I ourselves. Sounds good. Uh, so Sounds I didn't good. tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. So uh, let's get to the bottom of our first question. Uh, who's, um, who's bigger, you or Sione? Hoo-ha. Um, I'm taller than he is. You're, you're taller for sure. 
I don't know how much he weighs. And I haven't asked him, but I'm not going <laughs> to ask him. I'm not saying you should. So, we're just thinking, <laughs> when we're thinking of who the big giants are that have been on this show, you, you're the first well, he, thought. He, he says, I think Connor's the biggest Sione's guy. I'm like, you remember, Sione sat right here. And I, and he, so we had to start thinking about that. I, I, when yeah. he played, I think he played at about 310. Didn't he? When he was, okay, when he was so in the yeah, NFL. I'm a little bigger than that right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you're a little bit bigger. But I don't know if he's less or more than he was. I think but less. He's I actually in pretty good like shape right now. But I'm with you. I'm not asking him. That might give you the title. Let's just give you the title before we... Hey, how there eager are you to get the band back together and uh, start official spring workouts on Thursday? So fired up. I mean, at this point, like it's you go through all these winter workouts and then you just want to yeah. play real football, especially now where I'm, this is my fourth season. Right. And so it's like, you know, been through this before, been through the winter workouts and like we're here because we want to play football. And, you know, so spring ball gives us a little bit of that. And so everyone's fired up. Yeah, and it's... You know, you, you had a first go around in the Big 12 this last year, so you have a better idea of what, what it's going to take. Yeah. You made some changes on the coaching staff. You guys have a new coach and TJ. Yep. Um, does that bring an extra excitement to spring ball that, that, you know, having a new staff and doing some different things? For sure. For sure. I think for me individually, at least having a new position coach has been a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. One, because Coach Woods is a fantastic coach and – you know, it's been it's been great to learn from him. But also at the same time now that, you know, I'm going into my fourth season as a starter, it's it's now I have to prove myself to somebody new, which is which is exciting. You yeah. know, it's like I have to go in spring ball and show Coach Woods that I belong in the position that I'm in and try to try to do what he wants me to do and learn his system and how he wants things done and so for me, having been in the same system for the last three and a half years, that's been actually a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to that. What do you like about him that can galvanize this group of, of linemen to be mean and nasty, the kind of mean and nasty that you learned you <laughs> needed to be after year one of the Big 12? What is it about him that you think he can do? Well, I think Coach Woods, you know, is that mean and nasty. Yeah. You know, he brings that, and um, – you know, he brings a different level of uh, accountability and expectation to to the room, but he's also a fantastic teacher. Is something that I've noticed over the past uh, as we've started to do walkthroughs to prepare for spring ball, and he's teaching us his system. And uh, you know, he's a great teacher, and I, I think that will do more to elevate the room. That that mixture of both accountability in learning and expectations, but also being paired with someone who can teach you really well, I think is a good combination. Is, is there some things schematically that will be, like people will notice? Like it, it, to me and to people that watch, it seems like um, last several years in the run game, we've run a lot of zone, outside mm -hmm. zone, inside zone, where you guys come off the line of scrimmage parallel and just kind of stretch the defense out and running yeah. back picks a spot. Started to run a little more counter and power where you pull a guard and a tackle, sure. um, or, or a tight end, is there is there is the philosophy because he's a run game coordinator, right? Mm -hmm. Is yep. there a philosophy that when people are watching, we might see a little more of one thing or another because that's his style that you've noticed already? Um, a, a little bit. I think the run game will be more variable than mm -hmm. it has been um, in the past, and you know, I think uh, I still think we're gonna you know kind of major in the zone game a little bit, but you know. The, the way we'll run it is a little different than we have in the past. Um, and, you know, I think in a really positive way, it's it's different. And uh, 
um, a little more nuanced as well. So, but a lot of things to put us in in the best position to be successful. So, hey, was there a, a time as we jump back to last season a little bit early on in the season because the run game was frustrating. No more frustrating than for you guys, but frustrating for everyone all season. But you get in that Sam Houston game and things aren't, no one knows that Aiden Robbins has a broken rib. You know, we didn't find that out until later. But things aren't going easy early. And even with Southern Utah, was there a moment where you're in the middle of that line going, hey, wait a second, something's not right here? Um, No, I don't think there was a specific moment. You know, I think it was just slow build of, you know, kind of frustration where it was, you know, we really weren't, you know, we weren't um, getting the job done, obviously, but when you go and watch the tape, it's it's like, man, we were so close. Yeah. And it was like 10 out of the 11 guys were doing their job, and it's the one right. that made the play look like a complete bust. Um, and, and so that was frustrating where it's like you feel like you address something one week and then someone would screw something else up the next week and to kind of be stuck in that cycle was a really frustrating one to be in. Um, Especially for me as as a captain and as a leader, that's my responsibility, you know, to fix those things. And, um, you know, the fact that we couldn't for the majority of the season was, was really frustrating. And, um, but, you know, thankfully I think we, we righted the ship a little bit more towards the back half of the season, Mm -hmm. as far as the run game goes and kind of, kind of got our mojo back a little bit that way right um but it just it was way too little way too late unfortunately and as as you had kind of like because i do think that you know as i look at it run game was going like this at the end of the year yeah as as you come into spring ball do you feel that momentum as you come to for spring sure. ball? like for sure. okay now we take where we left off and get better <clears throat> and uh oh yeah can we hey dj can somebody grab a water for for connor yeah, yeah, or Steve. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but uh, so do you, do you feel like you can pick up where you left off, progress through spring ball, and is this the team with the components you have that you feel like we're going to run the ball in the Big 12 next year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think just the the added commitment of never wanting to have a situation like that that we did last year again um, is one piece of it. Thank you. Um, and then I also think uh, just – kind of the enthusiasm and the excitement for a new, a different kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guys are fired up about it and really putting their heads down, um, really trying to learn it. Um, and I think we've put more time in the film room together these past two months than any other January, February, really, since I've been here. And, and I have been putting a lot of pressure on my teammates to, to learn and to be better. And they've uh, accepted it really well. And they're doing a great job. And, you know, so I'm pretty excited. It may look like crap the first couple of days in spring ball trying to go out there and execute a system you've never run before. But I think as the weeks go on, I think it's going to kind of take shape and we're going to kind of see what it can be. So I'm pretty excited about it. BYU starting center Connor Pays on the Wise Guys tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Spring practice starts on Thursday. Our live streams from uh, the Philippines. Panama, Singapore. Yeah, this place, we're all over the world again tonight, yeah, which is it's cra- it's crazy to us that people kind of log in and um, we, we get, you know, people from every week from Panama and the Philippines and all around the yeah, world. That's awesome. It's like Just 10 o'clock in the morning over there and they're sitting at their computer at work. <laughs> it's a Cougar Nation thing. It's a Cougar Nation Cougar Nation thing. is amazing. It. it really is. So we got a lot of specifics we want to get to to you, but let's, let's, uh, 
Let's focus on you first. You, you came back this year. You didn't have to. Yeah. You came back to get ready for your shot at the NFL. Yeah. Uh, what's on your to-do list, and how can Woods get you ready? Win. That's on the to-do list. That's, I mean, when you look historically at the teams that have had the most guys drafted, it's the teams that win the most games. And, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now is just help my team uh, help the coaches, help anybody I can to put us in a position to win. Because if you go out and you perform well and you win games, everything else takes care of itself. As far as the NFL and all that stuff, you know, going five and seven hurt a lot of our draft stocks on the team. Everybody who yeah. was preparing for the NFL, it hurt all their draft stocks, including my own. Um, and so we just, we need to go and we need to win. So that's the focus. And, and whatever it takes. Yeah, and as the folks, from a physical standpoint, is there is there a particular thing you're trying to get stronger at? Is there you know what 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 particular things are you working on to make you more equipped to execute this new offense? Um, I think I mean there's a laundry list, you know, of things. I, after every season, I kind of go through and go watch all the games and do a self scout on myself and have some of the D linemen help me or some of the other coaches. I could try to find weaknesses in my game and. Um, you know, I think uh, there's improvements that I definitely need to make in the run game with pad level, hand placement, hat placement, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, hip height and leverage in the pass game and, you know, just setting myself up for success better before contact's made. And, you know, so there's, there's attention all kinds to detail. of little details. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, all kinds of little details. See, people watch the offensive line and they think it's just, it's this battle of brute strength, which that's part of it, right? Yeah, for sure. But, but not many people understand like you just talked about four or five different things in terms of technique that make a huge difference in your ability to be effective at that position. And no, no doubt. I mean, it's you miss by three inches and you miss the block. So it's, Michael it's uh, Zimmerman on the stream said, hey, Connor, you're definitely a leader. So glad you came back to lead the O-line in its second season in the Big 12. <laughs> Trying to be. Uh, on that O-line. Braden Keim, Waylon Lapuaho, Caleb Etienne. I'm gonna, there's a, like eight or nine others, I think, in the room. Yeah. What do you like about this group? Um, I mean, just their kind of like what I mentioned earlier, just their willingness and their dedication to do everything we can to get it right. Um, you know, because when it came to, to extra work and film work and doing other things like that, there was some resistance yeah. um, a little bit last year to some of that kind of stuff. And there's none of that this year. Um, and, you know, even even after our walkthrough today, you know, there was a group of us that went up and watched film and went over the walkthrough film. Nobody had to be there. Nobody asked them to be there. They just came. Um, and so I think that just that willingness and that desire to learn and improve and get better is something that I think can help us go much further. You know, yeah. we, we were going to ask you a little bit about Keanu Hill. He moves the tight yeah. end. In the run game, tight ends are a big part. Of, sure, of the sure. of the scheme in terms of being able to run the football and the blocking and sometimes in the pass game too when you max protect and the tight end mm -hmm. stays in there mm -hmm. um i think we have a pretty good idea what he can add to the pass game from that sure. position what have you seen from him um that that gives you the confidence that he can have an impact in the run game as well well he's definitely bigger i don't know yeah. if you guys yeah, have I seen, just saw him. I just saw seen him. pictures yeah <laughs> i mean the funny thing is keanu had to fight to keep weight off his yeah. whole career here like he's he's more towards his natural body weight right now 240 245 wow yeah um and i mean because he's six four like he's not small yeah and, um i mean he was 
I mean, him and him and Puka were really our two best blocking receivers, maybe blockers on the entire team. Um, and so I don't think Keanu's going to have any challenges transitioning to becoming a run blocker. A, because now that he's bigger, it's going to be much easier for him. And so I think, you know, once uh, Coach Gilbride kind of helps him dial in the techniques, I think that'll be the only hiccup is he just has to learn how to do it, right? It's a little different than a receiver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think once he learns how to do it, I think he's going to be phenomenal. It seems like it'll be a little different. You break the huddle and you see him lining up next yeah. to your boys. putting his hand in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm fired up for it. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned Coach Gilbride as well. So you have a new tight ends coach as well. Mm -hmm. Tight ends coach can be really involved in the run scheme and what sure, you guys get done. Sure, has to be. Yeah, so, so what does he bring? With, with his experience. Well, I mean, that. He brings experience, right? I mean, he spent, what, 12 years in the NFL? Um, and so I think that's pretty attractive, you know, to the tight ends in the room. They're like, hey, that's a dude that's coached tight ends for a long time in the NFL. He knows what it takes to get there um, on a personal level. And then also he's been around the game of football at its highest level. Um, and, and so, I mean, you have to be able to coach, you know, to survive there. Right, right. And, and so... I think uh, his resume kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, I don't know the details of what his coaching style is as much because I'm not in that room, but everything that I've seen has been very detail-oriented and similar to Coach Woods in a lot of ways. Blaine mentioned that the run game, uh, Woods is going to be the run game coordinator as well as the line coach. How important is that position, <clears throat> is the line coach, how important is it for him to also be the running game coordinator? Oh, it's huge. It's huge because um, – I think it. I think it. Just everything on a staff kind of works together, right? And uh, you know now, you know, A Rod has somebody that when he needs a run play, he's got somebody to turn to, um, and you know that's that's dialed in on it, designed it, is expert in it. And that didn't exist and last year. No, not 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 very much. Right. Um, and yeah, and so I think uh, because just having the O line coach be your run game coordinator is is really nice because now it brings everybody in sync coach woods can now help coach the tight ends help coach the backs on you know what our scheme is what the goals of the plays are so now we're all in sync yeah. rather than kind of we're doing one thing the backs doing something a little different tight ends doing something a little different it's a lot more cohesive uh when it's done that way i think um and then i think it's just it's great it's great for the coordinator you know, to be able to have someone that he can he can turn to for the run plays because A Rod, A Rod has been and will always be a master in the pass game, um, and you know, but now that he we can kind of bring in that that aspect to help in the run game, that kind of you know frees A Rod up to do what you know he's best at. When last year, you know, he kind of there was all kinds of other problems he was right. trying to address and trying to fix, and yeah. um, so. I think it'll just open things up a little bit more. It kind of that's that's the relationship that we had when Coach Grimes was here, right? You know, that's that's how it was. You know, A Rod was kind of, you know, he was the pass game coordinator, you know, and so he was handling all that. Coach Grimes was the offensive coordinator, but also really the run game coordinator. And it seemed like and the running back game. It seemed like the running back did okay. That time. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'd say so. Yeah, yeah they were just bit. fine back just then. a little bit. Speaking of that running back room, you know, L.J. Martin comes back. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but there's, there's quite a bit of talent in that running no back room. No doubt. Which is a very integral part of being able to run the football, yes, along yes. with creating seams. Yeah. Well, what, what do you like about that running back room, and who's who's catching your eye? Well, I think depth, for one, uh, is is great, even though they're, they're younger. And I think, you know, with L.J. coming back, having another year under his belt, and having a full offseason in the program will be a big thing. 
um, just because I mean he was just a he was just a puppy mm-hmm. last year, a mm-hmm. young kid just trying to yeah. go out there do what he was supposed Straight to do, out of just high school. survive, you yeah. know. And now he'll have a whole off season conditioning program. He's gotten bigger, he's gotten stronger, he's gotten faster, um, and you know to get Hinkley Rapati back healthy uh, will be huge. And then to have Miles Davis uh, back and. Um, and then there's also just young running backs. We have two or three freshmen right now that, that have looked really good. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I've never seen them play in pads before in, in yeah. real football. It'll be fun to watch them play in spring and see how they do. But Doesn't it kind of feel like the fact that um, they didn't go to the portal and get a running back mm-hmm. like they had the last couple of years yeah. right, with Chris Brooks and, and right. Hayden Robbins? That um, that they're confident that Robbins can be the man with the supporting cast behind him. Is that do you see that kind of like, hey, Robbins, this is or this is or Martin, this is your chance to take the next three years? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a little bit. I mean, anytime an opportunity arises to improve your roster, I mean, we're going to take it. Sure. Uh, but you know, I think uh, I think everyone in the building has confidence in, in LJ and all those running backs. So if we if we didn't, we'd find new ones. Yeah. Hey, uh, Gary Bohannon came on with us a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we got a couple questions. Yeah, about that. And, and he said he said, um, "Oh, I can hold my own at the table eating with the, with the old line. line, no problem." Especially you. That's what he said. He's like, "I can hang with Connor." No what problem. About me individually eating. He he says okay. eating like I, I'm from the south. I can hold my That's own eating 1, with anybody. That's 1,000% true. So is that true? 1, he said true. that you and he had just knocked down some, uh, I believe it was Korean yeah, barbecue. We, yeah, we yeah, had he some. Said, he said, oh, I can, he I can hang with anybody is what yeah, he said. Yeah, we had just gone to a Korean barbecue place called Bumblebee right We said, you know we're going to ask Connor for yeah, to I said, we're going to verify that yeah. this is true. And that food is awesome. So shout out to Bumblebee. There you go. Uh it's 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 pretty heavy too. It's pretty dense, you know. Korean barbecue, chicken, steak, yeah. and stuff, and Gary did just fine. <laughs> he did just <laughs> fine. But again, not a small human being. Yeah. No, oh no, he's no, he's, he's, a, he's a big he's sense. a big guy, and so. he's an athletic guy. Um, we were really impressed with him as he sat here and talked to us about leadership and those kinds of things. Yeah. What have you seen from him so far that that gives you confidence that he's going to fit in and do good things? Well, I think I mean he fit in from day one to be honest with you. And I think now also having had so many transfers over the last mm-hmm. two or three years, it's been pretty easy now for us to just be like someone new's here. Sweet. Welcome. Part of the family now. Yeah. Come grind, work hard and you'll be accepted in. Uh, but I think uh, just, you know, his, his dedication and also his consistency, he's the same person every day, regardless if things are good, bad, ugly, whatever. He's the same person, same energy, same enthusiasm, willing to push his teammates um and you know he's worked really hard to learn the system and the offense quickly um and so it's I, i've been really impressed with him you know a lot of the questions about him and we talked to him about him was, yeah. was the surgery him. and the sure. labrum and on his throwing shoulder and um and he said he's completely healthy and the guys went back to florida to check that out before yeah. they yeah. before they brought him in but but you've seen him out there. Yeah. Um, what, what what's your take? He looks great. He looks great. I would have never I would have never known really. You know that anything had happened to his throwing shoulder unless somebody told me. When when you go back and watch his film at the year that you know when Baylor won the conference championship when he was healthy, last time he was healthy really. And you played against him, yeah. right? And Waco, he, he was. Yeah, we did. He was 
pretty special player when he was healthy. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty special, pretty dynamic. Yeah, so that'll be fun. He seems like a great fit um, yeah. and, and from our observation with having him close. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch him we were Jake duke it out. Yeah, we were talking uh, at our family dinner last night. Actually, we were talking about you because oh, we knew man. you were coming on the show. And um, and I said, you know, no one knows the quarterback battle more than the center. Right. Uh, who's going to spend more time with the quarterbacks than anyone else up That's close true. and personal. Uh, and so we just thought it was – it was perfect timing to have you on because th- there will be a competition between those two and a couple of the younger guys in there. Um, I'm not going to ask you how it would go because we don't know, but but when a team enters spring, you've entered spring in quarterback competitions and you've entered sure. springs when Zach's a quarterback, Jaron's a quarterback, and yeah. Keaton is a quarterback. What, what's it like? I mean, I think, honestly, it's not super different. Um when there's a quarterback battle versus not the, the reps might be div- divvied up a little bit differently, but spring is also a time for the coaches to get a chance to see everybody. Yeah. You know? And so it's, I mean, you know, yeah. Was Keaton, was Keaton our starting quarterback last year during spring ball? Yes. But did we get plenty of reps with Jake and the other quarterbacks with the ones? Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause you know, A-Rod wanted to see what they could mm-hmm. do too. And so, I think because spring ball is a little different than fall camp. You know, fall camp, those first that first week, week and a half, you're trying to set a depth chart. Yeah. Where where in spring ball, a lot of the times it's more you're trying to see what the whole roster can do. Um, so you'll you'll probably have reps because everybody just thinks about Gary and, and Jake, but Ryder Burton's still in the pro. There's some good yeah. young quarterbacks yeah. in the program too. And yeah, I've had snaps with Ryder already and uh, and Trayson. Mm-hmm. So. It's. I mean, it'll be all over the place as spring ball usually is. Yeah. And so, would you be surprised if um, there's a starting offensive line announced, or even a starting quarterback before the second week of fall camp? Or do you think it? Do you think it'll go that late, or do you think yeah, it'll come out of spring? I don't think. I don't think it'll come out of spring. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I'd be surprised just because so much can happen between May and August. Mm-hmm. A lot of work still um, being done that yeah, time, right? For sure. And. Um, yeah, I'd definitely be surprised because I think, uh, I mean, even even back to like, you know, 2020, Jaron and Zach were splitting reps pretty much evenly right up until that first game of 2020. It wasn't until the week of the game. That's right. That That's we right. knew. We forget that. They both that ended Zach up, was they both ended up okay, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they both <laughs> ended up doing just fine. Who did right? you want to be the starter? I don't know. I week. was just wide-eyed freshman. You know, obviously, like, I knew Jaron, but Zach had been my buddy growing up. You know, yeah. we played basketball sure. against each other. and so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But um, but Zach with all has, was also coming off a little bit of a, uh, I don't remember if it was a shoulder or something. That yeah, well, he that's wasn't right. full. He, he wasn't fully healthy, but Jaron also wasn't fully healthy either. And now this right. is like the first time they were both healthy together again, and they were just battling out. And it's like you have two NFL quarterbacks on your roster. That was pretty. That well, was pretty fun to watch. A lot just, of games. just for the record, we always had two NFL quarterbacks on the <laughs> roster in the old days. Day. But it's hard to recruit mm-hmm. two of them now. Yeah. Hey, so. so correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Your first start was it not the Boca Raton Bowl? So I didn't start that game, but I. Went in like the second series. And then played the whole rest of the game. Yep, because uh, James Empey had gotten COVID. Uh, oh, that's right. And um, so Joe Tukuafu was starting at center that game. I was back up at both guard positions and at center that game. And then on like the second drive, Joe rolled his ankle. And so then I was in. And that was so that was your first time, time playing first center. Uh, I had played center once or twice before that, like on the last series of the game, and we were just killing somebody. Well, we remember uh, as we were working that that uh, you were flawless in that game. One a new center 
comes in. It went no mistake. Zach's throwing the ball all over the place. He's running for touchdowns, lighting up Central Florida. <laughs> uh, and, and that's where I, I remember that this Connor Pay, uh, we got four more years of him. And here, and we, here are. we are. Here we go. Here we go. Time flies. That was huh? a good start, wasn't it? Well, isn't yeah, that, that crazy that start. that's that long ago? And doesn't seem like it was that long ago. No, has it gone as fast for you as it has for us? Yes, for sure. Think about it. But I think you, you you centered that game. Zach went to the Jets. He'll be gone from the Jets before you finish your BYU career. I know. I know. That's just, I'm just old. No, but it's actually wild to think about, you know, I'm going into my fifth season. Yeah. You know, as a player, but I've only been back for my mission three years and eight months. It's crazy. You know, just because I came back right before a season right. started. Yeah. And so, like, it's, I'm, I'm 23, you know, and so yeah. it's not you, like, you and but Zach, I'm like a fifth year senior, which is wild. And two years from now, you and Zach will be back together at the Rams. <laughs> that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty that awesome. absolutely That'd be pretty could pretty happen. Awesome. Zach and yeah, yeah, with you and Zach and Puka together. Yeah. If we talk about getting the band back together, that'd be okay. So. Connor Pay on the Wise Guys playing 42 games so far at BYU, 32 starts. Uh, if we had a cheeseburger eating contest among the offensive line and we let Bohannon participate as well, who wins? Caleb B. Tan. Not even close. Can he not, just pound it? Not even just close? Pound it. <laughs> like like he, how many he cheeseburgers a, he's, we he's talking He's a very about? enormous human being. Very enormous human being. You know, yeah. Kalani said. Uh, during his news conference announcing the signees um, that uh, he said that, that, that Caleb has made strides this off season that, um, that uh, they're going to blow people's minds. Just what, what is it with physicality, mental, what, 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 what's, what's all, different? All of the above. Really? All of the so above. So you've noticed I mean, too? He's, he's leaner. He's lost quite a bit of weight. I think he's down to about 320 now. Yeah, which and is good so for him. He's about 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, yeah, yeah, and he's, he looks fantastic. He's moving really well. Um, but I think also, you know, just with how well Coach Woods teaches, you know, um, he's learning a lot. And he's not he's not out there wondering what he's supposed to be doing um, on those plays. And, and when, when he knows what to do and how to do it, he's a good player because he's a pretty freaky specimen. There's just coach right. Woods has a phrase that I think kind of describes what Caleb kind of was last year. And he called it a, a paralysis of analysis. Like, um, Oh, am I supposed to go here or there? Yeah, and then the, by exactly. then the defenders buy you. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I think, you know, he's made huge strides in that area this winter. So good. That's great. We, we had plays where we would on our, after for the review show, we'd go, wow, look at Caleb Eddie in here. He obviously knew exactly what he was supposed to do because he just destroyed this person, <laughs> right. right? And we're like, he knew exactly what to do. And then others were, um, we would go, well, how did he miss that guy? Well, because there, there was a bit, there was a moment of confusion at the snap. But rarely when he knew what he was supposed to do, did he not dominate. Right. And so if right. he knows what he's going to do, he could be really good. Kay Porter asks you, uh, how, does, how do you feel about the depth of the offensive line and who's your backup? Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, Pretty a good. lot of young guys. A lot of young guys. It's a it's a young room. And they're not small guys. I've looked at the no. sheet. They're young no, guys, but they might all. be six eight, three hundred. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and who is my backup right now? That's a good question. Um, it, there's been a ton of rotating around. Yeah. But well, like, who's going to play that center Peter, position? Peter Falonico and Sam Dov kind of been the ones oh, doing yeah. it, but they're also competing for a guard spot too and other things. And so, but that's like the start of spring. Everyone's everywhere. Yeah. Little's you know. back, right? Isn't he back? No, Tyler Little's defensive line. Oh, they moved him to the D line. Yep. Oh, you know what? He could be good over there. With that I size. Think so. With that size. Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's great. Hey, we can talk about 
future recruits if they're his little brother, can't we? I, I think we can talk about whatever yeah. we want. I, I, I think we your, can. Your, your little brother's a ridiculous. He's a freak. Are there like rules? I'm not allowed to talk about recruiting or something? No, no we're not, not allowed you. to. When we do a show for BYU, oh, we're not different. allowed to. And this one's an independent show. So okay. we don't talk about it. Gotcha, gotcha. But, gotcha. but you're, and this is, we're talking about failure. Your little brother's a freak. Right? Very much so, yeah. Yeah, like he's, like, what What are his dimensions now? Because he's, he's only, was he 17 now? Yeah. Or 16. He's so 16. He's got two yeah. more years left, yeah. right? Well, actually, he turns 17 in two days. Yeah, so he's going to be 17. So and his dimensions, because you, you and I were talking about this last summer, and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, he's he's freakish. Yeah, he's 6'7", probably 305 now, maybe. He, he's 17, folks, and he's maybe really he's athletic. pushing 300 pounds, yeah. He's yeah. really athletic. Yeah, and he's pretty. He's pretty. Lean. He's a lean three hundred pounds, yeah. so absolute dummy. But just <laughs> um, did your dad spoken like a true big brother? Did right? your dad no, talk true. to your mom before all these giants showed up about hey, hey, this is how this is gonna be? I don't know. I don't know if my mom knew <laughs> what she was getting into. Your mom knew what she was getting into when she married your dad. We're gonna have your dad. My mom's six feet tall. Yep. Yeah. My dad's six five, like right. more like six three and a half. I've, six, know, four I've known now. his mom and dad since they, <laughs> were, now, since they were here. Yeah. Down to six four. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little bit of shrinkage, a little more width. Sure. It yeah. happens to all of us. <laughs> How much talking do you do in the huddle as a center? In the huddle, not a lot. At the line of scrimmage, a lot. A lot. Yeah, so, so more, mainly in the huddle, it's we're getting the play relayed to us from the quarterback. Um, and that'll probably even be more so this year because I'm assuming the headset rule will be passed. Yeah, it uh, seems, really, it seems, like, really it, it seems like it, it will. How do they not? It's a stupid rule. After, right? the, Michi- so, after the Michigan thing, that's been a really like impressive right. to get that. Right, right. like why, why do we have to learn all these signals, right, when you can just put a headset in the quarterback's helmet. Right, so. and, the, and the companies that make helmets have been making these for the NFL for years. Right. And they know how right. to do it. So the quarterback gets the call, we break the huddle, and you turn around, and then yep. you, then what do you do? So first thing I do is I'm, I'm responsible for reading the defense. So I'll read first level, second level, third level. And, you, and you're looking where's the linebacker at? You're calling the front out, right? Yep. Calling out the front, and then depending on the play, there's about probably six or seven different things I could do on each play, depending on what the defense shows us. Um and then there's different tags on the plays so I know where the motions are coming from and, you know, if we're shifting at all. And, you know, because that can, that can give me a lot of keys on what coverage they're in, you know, right? If I see those linebackers bumping back and forth, I know they're probably playing zone. Or if he runs, they're in man, which changes our blocking schemes a little bit. It'll change the person I ID. And so, and that's one of the, been the great things about Coach Woods is he's, he's taught me a lot about that kind of stuff, the read keys for a defense, you know, and how to understand what coverage they're in, what they're trying to disguise. Um, and, you know, spending a lot of time reading safeties as well. And so Because the safeties will tip off who's coming out of the front and, so Connor and, knows which direction. And all this is happening in four seconds. Yeah, yeah. I oh, probably have about that. three or four seconds <laughs> to make all those decisions, make a call, because everyone running back, rest of the O-line, tight ends are all just staring at me, waiting for me to give the ID because that tells them what to do on any given play. It tells them who to go to. And then the quarterback has to know, hey, Connor just made this call, so yeah. here's who's picked up, and here's who I'm responsible for if he comes. Right. That's right. My especially hobby, right? especially so, in like five-man protection. So he's waiting for, sure. for you, especially when you're empty, yeah. to make the call so that now he understands where his first glance is to just make sure that the guy right. that he's responsible for isn't coming, right? right. Now the quarterbacks have a tough job. He's got to go survey the whole defense and pay attention to what I'm saying so he knows where he's hot and where he's not. 
and make sure everyone's lined up in the right spots and get his read keys pre-snap. Like he's quarterback is a and then, crazy then, then on the first step, he has to verify that his pre-snap read was right, which most of the right. time it's not exactly the same thing, but he has sure. to make that adjustment. Sure. Yeah. So then These, the center and the quarterback are the two smartest guys on the team. Period. <laughs> Don't let anybody on defense tell you anything. <laughs> While all this is going on, and, uh, and, and we've known you for some time now, we know you enjoy the game. You love the game. So, I do, yeah. So while you're doing all that, what, when do you get the chance to talk to the other team? Honestly, not that much. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are some teams, usually the bad ones, who talk like a lot of crap. You know, but <laughs> it's, the uh, good ones don't talk smack. No, not really. It's like we talk. We would talk a little bit sometimes too, but honestly, most of the time, there's not. There's not a lot. There's no. definitely some. But it's after like, the play, especially early in the drives, you'll talk a lot. But then by the end, us in the D line, we're getting kind of tired. We're not going to waste our breath, <laughs> you know, talking smack. We're all trying to catch our breath and look to the sideline, get the next play, and just go do our job. So, so that big Arkansas game when you're making the charge back to win it mm-hmm. in uh, Fayetteville, in front of all their fans, yeah, uh, it's all business at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, I, I wonder. I don't. I don't really believe that because you have too much fun, and that seems like that'd be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and I like. I like talking crap because I think it makes the game more fun. Yeah. And so I don't get mad when people talk crap back. You know, you got to back <laughs> if, it up. If somebody's creative, do you actually like it? Do yeah, I think it's so. There's something. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy Mormon jokes and stuff. Some of the stuff that people come up with, I'm like, dude, I've got nothing so, to say. Okay. That's good. <laughs> So you're at the like line of scrimmage. Tell us, maybe if you can remember one or two, that um, a lot of stuff that gets shared down there we wouldn't be able to have on this show. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, but tell I don't us. know if there's anything I can share on this show. <laughs> it's, if there are a couple of things where you're down there where you just heard somebody did their homework and researched and they thought they had something that's just going to, what is he trying to do? Make you laugh? They, get, they can't really, they don't yeah. want you mad, right? If you get mad, they got a six foot five bull coming at them. Yeah. Well, no, there's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, there there weren't a ton actually last year that I remember that are appropriate, but there were, there were just some that like there, people would like pull out the dumbest stuff and like, we'd, we'd blow them up on a play or something and get some pancakes and they'd be yelling at us, calling us virgins and stuff like that. <laughs> like you guys can't have sex. And we're like, dude, we just pile drived you into the ground <laughs> and like that's your maybe, comeback maybe you should be like, that, yeah. like at that time there were like four dudes on the o-line who were married and it was like dude what do you mean we're married we're getting way more than you are and it's like, so it's just like people just people who they've read something but don't understand anything they don't have it all uh, they, yeah. you know they, 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 they they'll make jokes like that about there's how many wives we have yeah, and yeah. all that stuff and that we're 30 especially like with when clark was here with his mustache he looked pretty old yeah <laughs> and so they're like dude well we're, we're playing against a 30 year old right now oh. that's funny that's uh, funny k, k porter asked a, g- a good question who's the nastiest guy on the o-line and then the same question on the d hmm Waylon brings some juice. Does he? Is yeah. he like he just likes to smack? Would you vote yeah, for him over you? I mean, I wasn't. I definitely wasn't gonna. I'm not gonna say myself on any I, of these I've, I've told everybody already, that Connor's got plays with that's edge, why he, and you that's have why to. We're here. You need a couple of guys that play with it. So other yeah. than you, is there another guy that really plays with an edge? Yeah, I, I would say Waylon. Waylon brings the juice, and he he won't back down to anybody. Yeah. Is is there somebody on the D line that's that would match up with Waylon um, and you, like that could plays with an edge and just a little bit nasty? Yeah, I think there's you know I think there's multiple. I think you kind of have to do yeah, that. Yeah, D line, you got to be you got to be a little psycho. Yeah, um, 
You know, I think Batty definitely brings that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's a little crazy. Um, you got some right, new John guys Nelson. coming to that D-line. John Nelson. Okay. And, and John people Nelson. forget how much missing John down the stretch last year hurt that interior D-line yeah. Without, yeah. Him, without him being healthy. Yeah. So so my oldest, Kellen, started at free safety for a few years, and one day he came home from practice, and he goes, I go, how's practice? He goes, good. Ray Fanga punched me in the face like with my helmet on. And I'm like, Ray why? Decked I go, him. I go why, why, why did Ray punch you in the face? So, like, did you get in an altercation with him? He goes, no, like we were just walking by. And I go, what? So he just walked up and punched you in the face mask. And he's like, yeah. And I go, what? why would Ray do that? And he goes, dad, do you not know Ray? And I'm like, you know what? I really like Ray for that. I like, like Kellen's like, Ray's the guy you want on your team. Yeah, man. He, just brings, the, he just brings the nasty. It's all good. He's like Ray punching. You know not even in pads yet. He's just no. being Ray, right? <laughs> yeah. And we no, have it's all good. we have a couple of those guys. Like yeah, I typically try not to do anything after the whistle because I'm not I'm like I think extracurriculars are just kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, and and they flag, the they flag him some, like crazy. I'll now. do some cheap stuff between the whistles for sure. Yeah, got got to remember you're the leader. You're the leader now. Yeah. All those young guys are going to see what we can get away with and what we can't. And we'll watch uh, Connor. Hey, uh, a couple more questions for you. Then we're going to sure. hit you with five uh, fun ones. Um, the Cougar board question of the week. I'm going to throw yeah, with you in here. Yeah. Did you play basketball in high school? I did. Yeah. Did you throw it down a few times. Yep. Okay, perfect. Tried. Uh, if you're not familiar with Cougar Board, folks, it's the largest online community of BYU fans. Thousands of posts daily. This one comes from Coug Fan Blue, one of their insider subscribers. Which BYU basketball players over the last few years do you wish would play football? Ooh. And are there any current football players who you think could have played on the basketball team? And then one more, who would win a BYU football team slam dunk contest? Oh. So it's a three for, let's start with the first one, make this easy. Yeah, basketball guys. Any basketball guys over the last few years you'd like to Th- see on the football team? They should be out team? playing football. That are on the team currently? I think Foose. Oh, yeah, tight end. Foose could be a nice tight end or an offensive tackle. He could, because he could put another 20 on and be a tackle. Right. With those and, long think, and the other one I think is probably Dallin Hall. Yeah, Dallin's Dallin, Dallin's built. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he's not a small person. Like he's 6'4 and he's what built. What position would you put him at? I would put him at either tight end or uh, maybe running back. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, Caleb Lohner, who left yeah, him, that, is now, yeah, and, and now Bailey. Like, we always looked at him yeah, and Caleb's thought, a freak, my man. goodness, why freak. is that kid not on the football team, right? All right, yeah. any of your current teammates that you think could have been on the basketball hard. team? That's hard because we, when I first got here, there was, like, a, a nucleus of guys who had, like, played competitive basketball in high school. There was probably 10 or 15 Puka of us. Puka was a great basketball And we player. would play twice a week, all off-season long. Yeah. So, like, I got to know those guys as basketball players. Blake Freeland players was a good really, basketball really player. Well. Yeah, you like, were a good basketball me, player. Blake, Isaac, That's right. Zach Wilson, Jaron, um, Neil Pau. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, and there were, there were a bunch of other guys that were coming who were good players. Matthew, Mitch Matthews was a while back, but was he yeah. a ball player too? Yeah, he, he, he was, was, he was, he's a good basketball Well. He he would win a slam dunk contest. Yeah. So I, would say, I mean, I still believe to this day that Blake could have played both. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. For he sure. Could've. Yeah. He was like he Bronson or Bronson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have yeah. easily. Blake was that good. So. But on this current group, I don't know. I don't. There's not a ton of like elite basketball players that I know of. Maybe because we just haven't played as much yet. Yeah. Um, okay. But I'm trying to think of guys who could. But I mean, the hard part too is like now that I've been around a lot of the guys on the basketball team and what and played like pickup with them and done things like that. Like that's a different, that's a different type of basketball player. Yeah, like they're really a, they're really skilled right now. Like that's different. 
Like it's it's hard to compare someone like because we would get they would mop the floor with any of us. Obviously, yeah, they're freaky. So who wins the BYU, who's the BYU football slam team? dunk contest though from the football team? Dude, I don't even know. Who's got some who's hops? Got, who's got can dunk good? At least has any cool ones. I know the guys who can jump high, but I have no idea. If they yeah, who, who's the, who's the greatest leaper on the team right now? Probably me. I think but so. So Connor probably. I would say I'd probably. When we're talking about contest. weight to jumping ratio, <laughs> he's clearly the best on the team. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I really don't know. That's actually something. We'll, maybe we'll have to play a little more basketball this yeah. offseason. But don't uh, don't land on out. anybody anybody's ankles coming no, down. No, I won't. That's why I only play with the football team or my friends that are really good basketball. Do, do you players. know? I think he has a big vertical and is fairly long. Maury. Yeah, Mo Mo probably could. Yeah, I think he could dunk it pretty. I'm sure. Handily. I'm sure. Right? Roberts is probably pretty good. Roberts could get up. I would yeah. yeah, Chase yeah. should be able to, Chase Chase should be able to throw good. it down. I bet these. Darius could, too. That's a good point, yeah. Darius. Yeah, yeah. Darius would be a good dunker. Um, oh, free safety that was hurt last year. He can jump out of the gym. Um, that came back at the end of the year. I'm losing my mind. Uh, Talent? Talent, yeah. yeah. He can jump. Yeah. I haven't seen Talon play. I'll have to find Do out. Do you think yeah. Bo Hannon could get up there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I don't know if Gary played like basketball yeah, in high school or anything, but I'm, like I now, now that we've just named all those, I would assume I'm going with Darius. Yeah, I think, I think that's I a think. safe bet because he's got really long arms. Yeah, that's, he's taller, and, he, and he's got he's really and athletic. He's really athletic. Yeah, yeah. wide receivers. So, uh, <laughs> so Gary was talking to us about growing up in, um, I believe it's Earl, Arkansas, and uh, and he was talking about foods that he liked and things. The next thing he, he, he starts talking about eating snapping turtle. Yeah. And we're like, dude, don't tell us, whatever you do, don't tell us it tastes like chicken. He goes, it does exactly taste like, like chicken. chicken. <laughs> but uh, he said it was just a small town. And we asked him, gosh, he had offers from everybody coming out of that small town. I said, what was that like for a 17 year old coming out of this? And he goes, Bama and all of them. Yeah. He goes, didn't know any different. We're just, we're just our high school thing. We do this. And then he picked Baylor because it was kind of felt like a little bit like his hometown experience. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's picked, he told us that's why he picked BYU here. now, because it felt like home to him. Yeah. 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 But snapping turtle and chicken. So next time you are dining on um, Korean barbecue, well, together, need, you can say, I hey, need, what about the snapping turtle? I need Caleb's mom to come back into town and make oh. some of that Louisiana oh, gumbo. Oh, because she, she cooked great. New Orleans gumbo. Oh, I need some more man. of that. I didn't get any last Mike, time. Michael she was Zimmerman here says Keanu Hill, but he, she, he, he hasn't seen Keanu lately. Okay, Kibo, Kibo is pretty good. Kibo is in that group that would pay, play yeah. basketball with yeah. us. Could but he but he's up? like 245 now. He would have yeah, been dunking we'll better at 220. I don't knows, know. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? As you're sizing guys up during spring practice, just in the back of your head, go, yeah, I think he could that probably could be throw a, dunk, it down. a good dunker. Yeah. I could back on the wise guys. I'm going to have a better report. <laughs> uh, the schedule's out. Anybody on there that jumps off the page, or is it the first one? Because it's going to be your last one. Your last yeah, season. Southern Illinois. That's who jumps off the page. That's the next time we get to play football as a team again. Well, Utah jumps off the page to me. It jumps off the page <laughs> to us, too. Jumps off the page to all the fans. Yeah. yeah. And there were games last year, I think you'd like another shot at Kansas, and you get them at oh, home. Oh, no doubt. no doubt. So those are the kind of matchups. And there were also games like, you know, that you were just, they were just fun to play in, you know, like going to Texas. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Getting to play in 105 or whatever that yeah. stadium is. Like, that's a cool experience. You know, I wish we would have played a little better, and... For being honest, we were probably just a little bit outmatched yeah. in that game in some areas, and kind of you know showed some areas yeah, we you, need you, to you, grow you, and improve. You get Oklahoma but, State, who you had on the ropes, yeah. at home now. 
this yeah. year. There's some, some yeah, that'd be fun. Like we got a we got a bring Kansas State here. Kansas State's been right. playing really well the right. last couple yeah. seasons. I think it's gonna be an awesome schedule. Arizona played really well last year. We bring yeah. them to Provo as yeah, well. Yeah, you get I the believe. good. You get some good teams here, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fun. But obviously, you know, just it'll be really fun to play Utah again. Um, and then just but Southern Illinois is the focus, you know, because yep. that's the next time we get a play. <laughs> How important has the Royal Blue Collective played as a as a as a role in helping this uh, football program move forward, um, supporting your guys? Yeah, tell us about that. It's it's been huge. I think uh, you know just kind of the way college football is moving now. You know, money's going to be involved, and and I believe I might be biased as a player myself, but I believe it should be. You know, when when. And, and the thing that I look at is, A, how much college football makes for the university. Mm-hmm. And then, B, if you're going to sign a coach to a $10 million contract annually. Oh, with a, with an airplane can, and two cars? With an airplane, homes, cars. I think you can dish out a little something for the guys on the field. He's right? talking about Steve Sharkey. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah we, we broke down his contract last week. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you think you look at Lane Kiffin, Steve yeah. Sarkeesian, Lincoln Riley, yeah. Nick Saban. You know, it's like when those guys started making ridiculous amounts of money, then the conversation kind of had to begin where it was like, okay, like, that's awesome. You got to pay, you know, the branch manager that much. But what about the rest of the employees? And right? nobody's you know, hitting the salesman. Nobody's hitting What them? about the salesman? You know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here advocating that we need to make all this money. Like, I'm an offensive lineman. I understand where I sit. You but know, some support is great. But yeah, it's great. And I think, uh, and I think if, if, if you get yourself to the point where businesses want to do deals with you, then you deserve that money. If you don't, then you don't. Or if you suck on the field, you don't deserve that money. If you play well on the field and you perform for the school, for your teammates, I think you do deserve a little bit. And I think how much and when and all that stuff is, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, not my, not my decision to make. But I do believe that there should be something there simply because of the revenue we bring in. Right. If you don't look at anything else other than right. that. Well, Gary even mentioned, because uh, we asked him about that, because he's been exposed to yeah. different places. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he said, BYU does it the way it should be done. Yeah, um, I agree and, with that. Uh, in, in and in a plan for the future as opposed to yes. a bag of cash. And that's one and of the coolest impressive. things the collective has done is they, they pair, because everything has to be fair market value, right? right? They can't just hand us money for doing nothing. And so what they've done is they've attached it to a mentorship program where it's like when you sign with the Royal Blue Collective, you're assigned mentors in fields that you're interested in. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm in the entrepreneurial management program in the business school. So let's I've, hear it. Let's hear who your I've guys been, are. I've been interested in business and that's what I'm going to graduate in in December. And so, you know, like really early on before the Royal Blue is a thing, Markel Staffieri, yeah. former, former edge yeah. player here. I was one of my mentors and he's been a fantastic mentor and friend over the last, you know, three and a half years. And, and now that the Royal blue is coming to be a part of it, you know, Josh Jurgensen from PAX, um, has, has been a great mentor and there's, there's countless others, but now it's, you know, where it's like, okay, you, this is, you have to go and do this for or with your mentor as a way to earn the money that you're right. paid. By by the collective, you know, it's but, like but okay, it, it going to a board you. meeting, going doing this, right. like, and it's and then and it's kind of in the hands of the mentors as to what everybody does, um, you know, and it's because it, it it sets you up for for life, and um, I think that's one of the coolest things. I think I'm I'm very fortunate 
that I met Markel early on, yeah. you know, CEO of a financial firm mm-hmm. called Roven Capital. And they're a fantastic firm and they've handled all my money since the day I got to college, you know, and now it's, you know, I have a, a, a pretty good investment portfolio for 23 years old, I mm-hmm. think. I don't good. know, maybe not, but hey, like, at least I have good. some. Go with that. I have some. But, and, yeah. and, you've you know, got good, and you've got good help with good people that you've networked yeah. with that can help yeah. you manage that. And, and you want to go play in the National Football League and that's right. great. But even if you go play in the league and you get money, there's people that can help you invest that and do all right. of that. And then when you're done playing football, and even best case scenario, it's over in ten years. Right. And then you've got this. You've got what this are you going to do for the next setup. thirty years? Right. Right. And most people don't get to play for ten, right? Yeah, exactly. Most people play yeah. for three or less. Yeah, I, I love right. I love hearing this. I love and hearing so that they're setting. You I guys think up. that's been, and I know Gary was really attracted to that, yeah. right? Because life after football is a real thing, and it's 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 pretty awesome. Just because through that mentorship program. I think I have probably three standing job offers That's for great. when for when football's over. It's great, you know, and they're more than happy to wait till I'm done pursuing an NFL career. And I, I would have that, never had those relationships. That's a great. You know? I, I think that's the genius of how the NIL can help uh, a school like BYU stay yeah. competitive, as opposed to Texas A and M, which just has a bag of money. Right, and, and you saw how that went for them. And yeah. yeah. Um, and BYU had to find a unique way to do it, right? Because right. just the nature of the church culture, we're not going to go buy guys that, right. that, that no, are that we'll are, never we're do. Not that. That's pay not two Kalani million dollars style. for a quarterback. It's that's just not, not the happen. athletic department style. That's not Kalani style, and that's not really our style no. as a team. But you can find guys that that, that want what you got. Yeah, like we want. I want someone play. who's going to play here because they want to play for BYU and right. play with me. Yeah, not because we threw a bunch of cash at them you know that's shallow that's pretty baseless and it never really works out no unless you got a you know you're alabama and you got a whole team that's getting yeah, all that give stuff. Everybody, but give they're, everybody they're in a different yeah. place but then i think they had a the differences too they had a coach in nick saban who you know would smash out anything that was yeah you know any form of entitlement and other things yeah. like that but it even i i I think NIL is a big reason why Nick Saban decided to well, call he, it quits. He, he came right out and basically said he hates so, it. Yeah. He hates the because whole thing. Now, now it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons he left the NFL. He yeah. came back to college, right? And I think, so I think there's going to be, there's going to be a happy medium with NIL, right? It's pretty insane right now. It's pretty all over the place. I think it'll be kind of narrowed down and I don't want to say regulated because I just, I hate that word and what the NCAA has done with it the last four decades or whatever, but. But there's got to be some, some fences. Some fences yeah. around. Fences yeah, there's got to be at least it. guidelines, like you know, for the NFL. There's, there's a cap hit, mm-hmm. right? There's a cap limit and things like that. I think in, there's a bunch of places that money needs to go and things. I think and I think college football specifically, probably basketball too, will move more towards probably a semi-pro type of format. It feels like it, um, especially with like the P four coming together and now. You know, with the SEC and the Big Ten forming a kind of a an alliance, a, a commission club. together. That I'm, I bet I would would not be surprised if the Big Twelve and the ACC become a part of that and slowly start the process of breaking away from the NCAA. Probably, and the NCAA is making it easy for them to go. You know what? Why do we want to be a part of the circus? Yeah, we can have our own circus. Well, and there was just it's some crap there shoot. was just some announcements this last week about legal rulings making right. the NCAA even weaker. In Alabama and Tennessee, the NCAA can't yeah. um, regulate NIL deals in any yeah. shape so, or form. Yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. Right. Will be fun to watch. Let's do so these we'll five see. questions. Okay, let's hear them. And we'll uh, we'll finish up with Connor. I think we're going to have some additional time with you for Cougar Board, which okay. we're shooting a little bit. So cool. look for that later in the week. Um, but let's get to these. You ready? Yeah, here we go. Your favorite sports movie. Oh. Hey, and you're not allowed to look at the questions no, in advance. Knows. I got to hide it. My favorite sports movie. Holy. <laughs> this is so hard. Why don't you let me prep? No, these are these are off the these top are, of your head. Come on, man. What was the first thing that popped into your head? It's like you turn around, you're seeing a blitz, you're making a call. What it looks yeah, like? You just the first thing. Biased, corny for me. The Blind Side. No, I love it. Love that a movie. Classic. What Maybe because it's I'm, I was that I was that obese kid too. You know. <laughs> Everybody knows it's Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw's best movie together. Right? I don't know if they. Yeah, ever that was a good movie. movie. I don't know. <laughs> but I always no love that movie. In that. Yeah. I always love that movie. That's okay. awesome. Favorite okay. singer or band? So it can be a, a solo artist or a band. See, okay. people are learning a lot about singer. Right my favorite singer is Mikkel. Is her name Mikkel? Yep, and that's my sister. She's oh. a professional singer in Los Angeles. Okay, that's yep, fair. So M Y K E L. Mine's Libby. We had her on the show. My daughter. Nice. <laughs> so. Can people uh, nice. find her work on YouTube? Yeah, anywhere. So how Apple do you, how Music, do you find Spotify, it? Spotify. It's on how all. How do you of spell it? M Y K E L. And if you just looked it up that and you put did musician, you'd find it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You'd find I'm, her on there. I'm gonna actually look her up. Okay. So and then favorite band. Okay. My favorite band is always. I kind of teeter between a couple, um, just because I do. I, I play the drums. And so, you know, I, I kind of like that heavier style of music. So Dream Theater, it's kind of a deeper cut. But that's been my favorite band for most of my Dream life. Dream Theater. Um, and Rush has been right Rush. there with Oh, them. yeah, because Rush's drummer is special. Um, and then I, I do love the band Slipknot. So that's Man. a little on the heavier side. His that's favorite band is ACDC. There you go. Yeah, they're, they're a great sports band. I was watching some clips from Stadium of Fire last year when Journey was here. Did you go to that? Yeah, no, I wasn't able to. That, that, I think I was out of town, actually. I was at my... We spent 4th of July at my aunt and uncle's house okay. in California. He won't tell. He, he hosts there. it, and he won't that tell us. A, he knows who is that, coming this year. Uh, okay. That was... Uh, I was thinking... At least when, when we're off the air, will you tell me the genre? Yeah, you're, he's going to tell us after you get off the air. But we're going to be sworn to Because... If it's not a genre that I like, I'm not going to okay. get it. <laughs> so, so, so with all of that, what's your favorite warm-up music? Like when you're during warm-ups, what okay. music you do you want to hear? On, I'm kind of, because I love all kinds of music. So I'm, my pregame playlist will range from like classical music, almost like movie soundtracks oh, wow. type of thing, to hip-hop and rap music, to heavy metal music. I'm all over the board. And so, so I just, just have depends. a playlist of... Those songs will just kind of get me fired up, and they're across all kinds of genres. Okay. So, so. I'm, during the pregame show, when we're yeah. watching you warm up and you're kind of this and that, you could be listening to anything. Yeah, I could be listening to freaking Beethoven, or I could be listening to... So, so if you had a walk-up song like from baseball, of God and you pick your walk-up song, what is it? Um, so my baseball walk-up song in high school is Arm & Hammer by Kevin Gates. Okay. So it was Arm and Hammer by Kevin Gates. Big home run hitter. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Okay, this is maybe the most important question. Okay. Your favorite breakfast cereal? Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs. I love those. That's like my guilty pleasure. Puffs. Is Reese's Puffs. And you, you got a Captain Crunch guy right there, and you got nice. a and you got a Cinnamon Life guy right here. Now look, when you break open a box of Reese's Puffs, yeah. does it survive <laughs> the meal? No, I eat the whole thing. Typically. <laughs> typically. See, well, and it's like I don't it's kind of expensive. So like I don't buy it on my own. I just wait until my parents have it at the house, yeah, and, then and then when I'm home town. on Sunday or something, it's, out. it's all it's all I'll about just it. Pound so, it. Fantastic. Okay, you're you're you served uh, in Washington D.C. Yeah. eighteen through twenty. Yep. Favorite mission moment. 
Hmm. It's hard to pick a favorite one, but yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I'd probably say when my good friend Tyler Robinson was baptized, that was probably the highlight. Um, at least that's the first one that came to mind. There's tons of them. There's Wait, tons he, and tons while of you them. were out there, he was baptized here. No, so um, I guess I can tell you the story. Here. Yeah, get it. Let's um, go. So, and I think I actually I may have sent this. Uh, I sent the link to this YouTube to my mission president and his wife actually. So they're probably watching this right now. If President and Sister Kaplan are out there watching, they've heard they this are. story before. And I hope to don't, I don't embarrass President Kaplan a little bit, but or myself. But I was I was transferred to the Mount Vernon area mm-hmm. in uh, in Virginia, which is you know where George Washington's house yeah. is super historic. Right on the Potomac down there, yeah. yeah. The church building was literally a hundred feet from the Potomac. Oh, nice, beautiful place. Um, and there was a gentleman in the ward. Um, hopefully, he's okay with me sharing this story. Um, I guess I already said his name, but it was a gentleman named Tyler. Um, and his his wife was a member, but he was not. Um, and he had met with the missionaries multiple times before and. Just wasn't interested, wasn't really his thing. Um, but he would come to church like twice a month just because his, you know, his wife wanted him to and he wanted to be supportive. And so like he would come to elders quorum and things like that. And um, and he was, I mean, he had gotten, they'd been in this ward for multiple years and so he'd gotten to know some of the guys. And so he was pretty open like with his concerns. And yeah. Uh, so that was, he would make comments in elders quorum and stuff. It was actually pretty cool. Um but he he was a bigger guy. He played football, and you know I think he had, he had uh, he had designed his job. He designed oil rigs and stuff, and was a steel worker and things like that. And so, um, you know, but I just I felt like I really identified with him, um, and so just getting to know him a little bit. And he was always super nice to us, you know, face to face. But um, whenever we would ever bring up you know coming over, maybe sharing a message, his wife would just like totally shoot us down. Um, cause he wanted us, he'd be like, always oh, just like, yeah, just talk to my wife about it. <laughs> and then, uh, totally would just shut us down. Like, Hey, he doesn't want to talk to the missionaries. Please just like leave us alone. And so we're like, man, this sucks. And, um, you know, naturally whenever we were in the area, it was, it's hot in Virginia. So we'd go over and ask for water or something and just do whatever we could. But, um, his kind of his big challenge was, was always the temple for him. And he didn't really he didn't really understand why a building had to be between him and God. How he had to go into this building, go take ordinance, perform ordinances, and make covenants there in order to get back to God. That just didn't like compute huh. with him. That's he's interesting like, why thought. Yeah, yeah that, he's that like, why really can't I just? Thought. He's like, why can't I just have a relationship with God? Why isn't that good enough? It was kind of his concern. And the the Mount Vernon ward was a pretty crazy ward. Um, a lot, a lot of older people in that ward, very wealthy, very successful, multiple former mission presidents in that ward and just really hyper successful. I mean, that area of Mm -hmm. DC was kind of just like that. Um, but I remember we had an elders quorum lesson on the temple and, uh, you know, we had a, a former mission president, his name was president Peterson. Uh, Tyler had made a comment expressing some of his concerns and, you know, President Peterson kind of just took three or four minutes and just answered his question and kind of basically just taught him the doctrine of temples. And for whatever reason, it just clicked with, uh, with Tyler. And, uh, and this was, this was near the end of my time there. I was in that area for six months and I'd been praying for this guy like every day. I was like, I, we got to find a way. 
Um, and so getting pretty frustrated. It's been five months of that and yeah. nothing. Pro- I'm kind of reading the writing on the wall for my mission president that the, the my time there was probably coming to an end. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, we got to figure out how to make this happen. Um, and so like Tyler, after that uh, comment from President Peterson, you could tell Tyler was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And it kind of clicked with him. I was like, oh my gosh, we got to talk to him. But like, I know if we just approach him directly like that, that's probably not the best way to go about it. talk to my wife. Yeah. And so, you know, just had, had the inspiration, I guess, to just go and ask him how we could teach, you know, the temple better. Because obviously missionaries had taught it to him poorly in the past. And so my companion and I, uh, Elder Worthington, just went and walked up to him. We're like, hey, Tyler, could we just, like, we really appreciate your comments on Elder's Quorum. It's like, we just, we want to, we understand that you had, like, these concerns and how the temple was explained to you. And obviously it wasn't explained correctly. Like, what, what can we do better as missionaries to explain it better from, like, your perspective? And he didn't even answer the question. He was just like, I want to meet. And we were like, okay. And so we went over to his house later that night. Um, and you know, had him, uh, kneel and pray with his family, with his, with his wife and his daughters. Yeah. Um, and ask if this was true and if he needed to be baptized and he received an answer there in the living room. And you hadn't even given him the lessons yet. No, we had just talked about the restoration that night. That's it. Um, and he, he agreed to it and he had multiple experiences. He's a very spiritual individual. Yeah. Lots of um, experiences with people from the other side, dreams, that kind of thing. And he had had multiple experiences and it's like over the next week, his daughters had like two or three near death experiences. It was crazy. And he basically just said, he's like, I can't do this anymore without the priesthood in my home. It's like, I can't do it. Um, and that was another big thing. He's like, I have to be able, I have to be a priesthood holder. Um, and so we, we taught him all the lessons in four days um, set a date for baptism. It was going to be my last week in the area. Um, was going to be his baptism. They ended up having a close friend's wedding that they were leaving for like five days for. And so we had to set his date for baptism the Sunday after, or the Saturday after I was leaving. Oh. And I was devastated. And uh, I called my mission president and I'm like crying. I'm like, please, can you <laughs> delay on, the transfer? Like, I've been oh. praying for this guy. I've been praying for this guy. Like, please, please let me stay. And he was like, no, no, you need to go. This is, this needs to happen. You're, you're needed in this new area. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, like, I was pissed at him like that <laughs> night and stuff. But um, we saw him, we took another one of our friends to a baptism later that Saturday. Um, and he kind of pulled me aside um, and told me where I was going, what, what he wanted me to do in this new area, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, okay, but there's one thing I need you to do. And I was like, okay. What do you want me to do? And he was like, the person you're replacing and just the way the transfers work, someone has to be trained to do a new assignment and they need about a week to train the new person. Like, so we're going to need you to stay in your area for one extra week. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like the coolest coolest thing ever. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me that on the phone? (laughs) Like, I knew you knew that. Like, why didn't you just tell me on the phone? Hey, they have to have some fun too. (laughs) He wanted to to struggle with it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it seem, he didn't, he was like, I didn't want it to make it seem like I was doing favors for missionaries. And I was like, I get that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You can't, as a mission president, you can't be look like you're granting requests, especially when it comes to transfers. 
And he's like, but I already knew. He's like, that's why I shot you down so hard on the phone and didn't even want to talk about it because I knew if you <laughs> pressed me hard enough, I would just tell you. And I didn't want to tell you yet. <laughs> but so that's long classic. story short, I got to stay and I was there for Tyler's baptism and I got to confirm him a member of the church and give him the, the gift of the Holy Ghost, which was a pretty special experience for me. And, um, you know, still good friends with them to this day. And, and, and this is a good reminder. I need to FaceTime them and see how they're doing. It seems know, like they should be out for a game. This their fall. family's jumping all over. Yes, they should. We got to figure out how to make that happen because they've been bouncing all over the country because his wife works for the National Guard. Oh, wow. Um, and so they've been kind of stationed in different areas. And, you know, I think they're in Florida right now. Hey, if, if you I can pull that right. off, if you can get him to a home game, we'll get him on the pregame show. Yeah. Heck yeah. That'd be I'll, fun. I'll call him and see if he'd be down for that. We'll figure out how to get there. Figure out how to get there. I think they got like six kids now, so that'll be a pretty fun family trip. That's the best story. The best story of the show. Yep. So yeah, that was a pretty special experience. So that's a fun. That's a fun area. That's why I was telling these guys earlier. That was my home temple district growing up. Was Washington D.C. I grew up in New York. That was the closest temple. So hey, let's just let's just end the show on that. Okay. On that, we've got. I'll be on Sports Nation tomorrow, and then Blaine and I are together Wednesday night with BYU in Houston. On yes. ESPN Plus, that's at 7 Mountain, right? And then baseball, I'm um, with Gary Scheide, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you're on the pregame show with Yeah, Saturday uh, the guys with uh, Saturday. Tyler and Christian and uh, Kristen and, uh, and Jerem it's on like Saturday. Our, our weeks are just getting started, and you yeah. got practice on Thursday. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. And practice for, for Connor on Thursday. Thanks to Steve Cleveland and uh, Connor Pay. Hey, you were worth the wait. Yeah. yeah it was great to have you here. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. Podcast will be up tomorrow. And, uh, and next week, Noah Hartsock and David Nixon. And you'll see him on Sports Nation tomorrow? Yeah. So he'll be there tomorrow. I'll see you Wednesday night. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll both we'll see, see you Wednesday Wednesday. night on, uh, on the game. And so. then next week, we're right back here. So share, uh, share the podcast with your friends and like us on YouTube and all that stuff. And we'll keep, we'll keep doing our show. And, and we wish you, Connor, a healthy, successful spring football practice. And don't forget to have fun. Thank you. All right. I plan on it. Yeah. Remember, keep an eye out for those dunkers. We're going we're gonna to yeah. have you back. <laughs> All right, I will. I will. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you.